very funnily went up to him and said, oh, is Jermaine, is it? Oh, it was very funny. He goes, you can call me <laughs> JJ, JJ if you want. This so the whole game, I'm there, JJ, JJ. I even shortened it to J at one point. I was like, yeah. well, I scored and he didn't, so. <laughs> OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM, with Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. Indeed, half past seven on this Thursday morning, November the 3rd, with myself, Shane Hannan, on OTBAM, brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. Delighted to be joined this morning by the broadcaster and journalist and esteemed Galway man, Johnny Ward. Good morning, Johnny. That's a story, Shane. Galway will be a team later on, as you find out. It will, of course. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the esteemed Cork man and OTBAM producer, Colin Boohey. Good morning, Colin. Morning, Tony. Morning, Shane. How are we keeping? Very it's well. like I was going to say, like you know, like Frank Lampard's Chelsea, um, or Damien Duff, Damien Duff Shelburne. It's like Galway's Johnny Ward and Corks Colin Buick. I feel like it's 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 relevant and necessary just yeah. to give the geographical. We hold on to background. it. I really yeah, yeah. lost our accents, I think. No. Have you? No, no. You've kind of. I, I find the Galway accent is the flat enough anyway. I would put that far at Dublin Airport for a first-time visitor. I find it's the friendliest. There's a nice Irishness to it, but it's understandable. Galway, yeah, mm. I like the Galway accent. It's obviously not the best Irish accent, which would. No, I know that's a different category, as that, you can yeah. tell by what I'm saying. That would yeah. that be, be North Monaghan, I would say, Johnny. <laughs> I might be biased. Really endearing. In a July evening, well, that's South Monaghan. Okay. That they are South Monaghan. Hey, yeah. if you're from Inishkeen, you're talking a bit like that. They are. Jesus, I know it's fairly close to the Louth. Near, yeah, that's very jarring at seven thirty-one a.m. Actually, sorry yeah. for anyone offended this morning <laughs> or, or pulling in off the road. <laughs> Concentrate. Um, yeah, the North Monaghan. I'll, I'll speak a bit. Right my regular accent is more refined obviously. it's more of a Tommy Bow yeah. oh yeah Monon Town accent yeah and nothing against South Monon accent it's, it's perfectly should. fine Rory Larmer a good friend of yours is a, is a South Monon man from would that Carrick, be so. would, would that be a typical Rory accent what you just did there I know he's softer he's a bit softer than that he's, he's probably been in Dublin he's in Dublin a long time like, yeah. he's, he's softened yeah. Banty McEnany would have to yeah. or typically cut yeah. off kind of yeah. I'll stop now, guys. Just a second, I'll stop. Uh, don't. Don't, uh, don't stop. Let's do an accent hour. Exactly. Before we get into football, just uh, want to bring you what's coming up on the show across the rest of this morning. So, 7.32, we've got... Uh, South Monaghan accents for the start. South Monaghan accents for start, anyway. I won't do the whole coming up in this accent, which we're not. 7.55, Lee Keegan. Uh, sorry. Uh, the uh, Mayo player, and of course, Westport, helped Westport win their first ever Mayo Senior Football Championship title of the weekend. So, he'll be feeling a bit ropey, no doubt, after the the celebrations but uh, we'll check in with him Luke Connolly then Nemo Rangers and Corkman uh, 10 past 8 to reflect on Nemo Rangers again winning the Cork Senior Football Championship you had to be there the latest episode this week with Johnny Ward as he brings us through five of the greatest moments and sporting events that he's attended in person himself uh, 8.50 we'll have Davy Burke the new Roscommon senior football boss in studio with us uh, so he's, uh, he's one of the youngest managers I think he is the youngest manager in fact in Endicardi football at the minute and uh, fascinating back, back story as well the Kildare man so uh, he'll be in with us 10 past 9 we'll talk to Jack McGrath about his own injury story he's of course a free agent now after being released by Ulster he's a former Leinster man and a lion of course as well and uh, we'll look ahead to the South Africa game on Saturday with him and then uh, we'll get some of the highlights from Wednesday Night Rugby at half past nine uh, then on the show as well uh, Champions League last night lads the group stages came to a conclusion we won't have Champions League groups now or Champions League action until February um, I mean the Man City game was one I was keeping a reasonably close eye on last night and the 17 year old Rico Lewis so he was born in November 2004 <laughs> Jesus which kind of like, so I was thinking even last night what happened so the Euro 2004 Ricardo with the gloves off and the penalty shootout against him so he wasn't even alive for that mm. 
which is reasonably terrifying. Um, but I mean, what a, like even Pep Guardiola spoke about him after the match. He said he's very intelligent. He's, his movement off the ball is really good for a player of his age. Took the goal well. Uh, maybe the keeper could have done better. But mm. um, really, really uh, solid talent. And you could see the look on his face when he scored. I mean, he's the first, youngest ever Champions League starter to score a goal in the competition. And oh, wow. his face was just lit up. And Cole Palmer, his, his good friend, came over to him. And the two of them were buzzing. So what a moment for him. What were you doing at 17? Uh, I went to... Um I went to college at seventeen, I think. Um, to, to nineteen. That's fairly young, is it? Two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. I would have. We didn't have a. You skipped transition year. Didn't have one. Ah. My my my. Our school was play school early. Um, always always been in play school really, but uh, <laughs> our school didn't have history, which was definitely ah. to my detriment because I would have liked history. Didn't have it at all in the curriculum, and it was more of a technical kind of school. But it it uh, didn't have transition. So you were. You think you start college at seventeen? You were wet behind the ears. Like I mean, yeah. you really didn't know much about life at all, and <laughs> you were you were just thrown into life in Dublin. But um, certainly uh, things were going better for Rico Lewis, and there was a nice uh, story because I mean I've said before the Man City thing. I. Uh, they're amazing to watch it doesn't give me great joy seeing them um, you know the way the club is run but they do by all accounts have a very good uh, youth set up there and they bring they bring a lot of good young players through and uh, I just had to look him up he's from he's from Bury which is quite interesting because what a contrast like Bury were put into administration in recent years because of there are lot, lots of clubs around the Manchester area who became kind of like basket cases financially um, and yeah. Oldham were another one, um, like knocked out of the football league despite John Sheridan going in and out. And then you had Bolton who were in trouble as well. There were another one or two clubs, Bury in particular, um, but he's playing for Manton City who don't have any worries in that score. And to be fair, it was uh, it, it was actually a, it was a lovely strike. The goalie could have done better, but he he did play really well. And uh, you know it, it was. It was so flat compared to the Marseille atmosphere, like Man City already through. The atmosphere at the Etihad is fairly, like, it's soporific at times, really, particularly last night. And um, But it got going a bit in the second half, and De Bruyne came on, and what a ball for the second goal, and mm. City got the job. Ah, the ball, sorry, the Kevin De Bruyne pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and sorry, we shouldn't be surprised that Kevin De Bruyne can pass a ball like that, but... The Colcom said he he sees things that other people don't see. I actually don't really agree with that. I think he sees... What really he just has the capability to he just pulls it off yeah. time and time he again. He sees it earlier, maybe. He he sees it early, and he's he's <clears> he's <throat> technique to like he's his pass for was it the the, the um, against Man United the goal that Haaland got at the back post. You're literally talking like split second wrong here, and that doesn't you know. And there was the same last night, and there was a good line that he he said one time: "Don't never worry about your pass completion rate." You know, and that that's a good example of football. Just keep trying passes. Just like because I I look at players with ninety five percent pass completion rate in the match. I didn't even know you were playing. Like yeah, you always know De Bruyne's words passes. Just pack, keeping passes. the ball, and th- yeah, that's yeah. important. Maybe if you're in the holding role, but like De Bruyne, that's, it's a, just comes on and just lights everything up. They were they were poor enough in the first half, city, but then as, as Pep said after the match, they're struggling for motivation because they're already qualified. Um, but then he changed things up. It was the three, as he said himself, Cole Palmer and Foden were wide, very wide in the first half they're playing a five at the back so obviously take off Grealish at half time bring on Rodri push forward through the middle and they were much better in the second it half it dominated second half ah Julian Alvarez was fantastic yeah. goal and two assists um, lovely goal as well and the um, I mean they had a tough game at the weekend and you have to lift yourself again for a bit of a dead rubber and there was obviously 
uh, some dramatic action elsewhere. But in fairness, you do think City are going to win it, win it this year. Well, I, uh, this is the thing. Like Owen Hargreaves was on BT afterwards, mm. and he said this feels like City season. Mm. And Rio probably didn't like that for a while, though. But like people have said that the last yeah. three years. Yeah. So, uh, but Haaland is obviously the, the, the big difference this season. But is it City's year, lads? I mean, looking at the odds last night, I think City were seven to four. Bayern were next. Uh, I don't know what they were. Maybe ten to three or something. And then PSG. You want them to win it. Do I want City to win it? Like, do you want like Guardiola is amazing, but I, I do enjoy their demise in Europe. I don't yeah. like the Man City project at all. Really, like um, I think it's kind of soulless in what's happened there, and I don't really want them to win the Champions League. No, yeah, but the, the fans have said it for a long time that they weren't on board with the Champions League. They're all about the league title. They wanted to win that. Further, for like. Uh, big Manchester City celebrity fan Noel Gallagher say several times over the years it's like ah oh, European football they're only kind of getting into it recently and then if they do win it this season you know you're going to have the uh, Pep Guardiola accusations like okay you've won it three times now but twice is with Messi and once is with Haaland and, and I think he'd acknowledge that himself he'd be like yeah I know but I mean he said that to do it he said that to manage them like yeah. if they win the Champions League it's, it'll be a big celebration that night for them and then the next day everyone will be like okay mm. moving on that, that should have happened and it did happen so what's yeah. going to happen next it kind of leaves you a bit cold, but like I just watch. I like watching City objectively because it's great football. Like Kevin De Bruyne, it's, like, it's actually a really good point that like I don't think he does see anything differently to any other player at the top level of the game. It's just he has the ability to pull it off. That's the exact same thing as Haaland. He knows where to be, but he can actually do it. That's what you're watching with City. You're watching near perfection. Yeah, but that's not that enjoy. That's not enjoyable. It's not. Yeah, it's actually not. And this is like I. I'd say I spend less time watching Man City when they're on the TV. You know, we're talking about commentators and yeah. like being distracted during the game. I'd say I spend less time watching Man City than any other team when they're on. If that makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't. That's actually completely counterintuitive. But near perfection is sometimes a little bit painful or boring like. well it's like when you create you can create your own team in FIFA or Pro Ev mm. back in the day right so you do that like as a 15 year old like I'm going to make the perfect team so everyone's like 99 out of 100 yeah. and they're just you know it's people you know down the road and like so you're making fun. them unbelievable right so then you play a few games you're five games into the league you've scored like 145 goals and it's like alright this is it mm. and it's that's kind of a real life thing with Man City it's not the club it was at Main Road that I would have grown up knowing or it's not like yeah. the Marseille of Tuesday night where like this is a real like it's, it's the Niall Quinn club that's yeah. not the Man well, City look, yeah. they invested in Manchester City in 2008 but it had nothing to do with Man City they exactly. just chose this club that were like well I think that's where we're like going to put the money in so it's a completely different club to what it used to be but having said that they've run it absolutely brilliantly whatever you say about mm. how nefarious it might be in the background like it's a fantastically well run club mm. and like they have a brilliant manager and he does all the right things with the players most of the time until he goes into his jazz solo mode and big games and like decides to try stuff that's way harder than it needs to be but other than that they're, I think they've pretty much ticked all the boxes on what you need to do the only thing that's missing is the Champions League if they win that this year grand they might retain it next season and then uh, hopefully for the rest of us Pep Guardiola might say alright I've had enough now mm-hmm. and he can move on yeah. and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with City after Pep just like Liverpool after Clap I think the, the biggest football bet I've had in a long time is Man City to beat Liverpool Lamfield this year mm-hmm. and I was on here on the Saturday saying this is going to be 3-1-4-1 and JD said Man City are good when they're in control right mm. and once Man City went 1-0 down that game that word was echoing in my ear it was like they're not going to come back here and that would just if they do meet Liverpool later on in the competition or they meet like Bayern or somebody will they be in control and you know they, they still have that little bit of mental wobble to prove because they uh, they didn't get they haven't gotten over the line and Liverpool are just hanging on in there this is their focus now winning the Champions League I think and obviously getting fourth but yeah. who knows <clears throat> 
I guess the danger is putting all your eggs in one basket mm. for Liverpool and, and you, like they, they were great as a cup team last year as well as pushing for the league title but <laughs> you wonder how much you can push on, on all fronts especially with the World Cup happening and disruption to the season reset button is this phrase that keeps being used but I mean City just yeah watching them last night is you can enjoy it to an extent as in like, this is a, this is brilliant football to watch De Bruyne is brilliant Rodri's brilliant Foden is class uh, the youngsters as well but there is a part of it that's diluted by where they got their money it's diluted by the fact that they're so good that you're like oh, I might switch over to the Chelsea game now or I might yeah but look that's our that maybe look, that's our age group that's what we think about it but then if you're asking younger people like 10 or 15 years younger they're probably delighted with this it's like yeah, it is great it's football and it's what you uh, try to replicate yourself out playing with your friends or playing with your local club like that's what you're trying to do so like the football quality has never been better in my lifetime mm, than no, it is no, now no. It's never, like it's so much superior if you watch like I watched recently back for something that we were doing I watched the 1999 Champions League final back Manchester United against Bayern Munich I watched the whole thing dire yeah. Oh my God! In comparison <laughs> to modern football, unbelievably exactly. slow. It doesn't matter. Slow pace. See, it do, see, like I'll, I'll really talk about like inaccurate my... passing. Mm. Uh, very slow off the mark. Really kind of like uh, shots which lack any finesse at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to nowadays, where every like the weakest player on the team would have been a very very strong player back then, technically. So that side of the game has actually come on so much. What they've sacrificed is to kind of. The fun side of it. I yeah, think. I, I remember at my, I think my parents' twenty fifth wedding anniversary. There was a fellow up on the stage. He was a local fellow, and he was on about his youth in rural Ireland. And he said, "We had nothing, nothing, but we were happy, right?" And that always stuck with me. And in those days, the football was all we knew. We didn't know any better. That was like so. Everyone was equal, and that was the best football on display. And I'll talk about a Gaelic uh, games game from what two thousand and one. In my little piece later on, I watched that back a few years yeah. ago. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so it but that didn't matter. No. That's all we knew. And what, what matters to me is that this is not a working class game anymore. So if I'm at if I, in my, if I'm at the Etihad last night, which itself is named after something that's nothing to do with Manchester, and Manchester City score and you look at the crowd and they're just taking photos, you're like that's not the that's not main road. That's not the working class game that it used to be, yeah. and that's why it doesn't. It will never mean that much to me watching Man City. And I don't think it will ever go back. It will never go back to that time that we're talking no. about. It just wouldn't because why would it? Because the game makes way too much money. Yeah. People make way too much money from it. So why in why in the world? You have like FC, FC Manchester, or FC United, or whatever yeah. they're called. That's, so like there is that kind of movement towards like the the you know the non league game in England as a, as a former protest, but I don't, as an alternative, as that's, an alternative, it's, a it's not but that's it. but It's globalized because really, it's so good. If yeah, if you're finding mainstream football. Like you have to acknowledge the fact that this is what it's going to be from now on, really. And then you have to try and take the positives from it, which is, well, at least the standard of football is excellent. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is. I think it's pretty undeniable. It's amazing. When you're at a game, the speed is amazing. Ah, stop. It's, it's ridiculous. I was actually chatting to a lad in London last week, and he, he's a big Altrincham fan, non-league football, mm-hmm. and he said, you have to come over and go to it. Like, I'll show you the match and the match day experience and the pub beforehand, and that's what, you can that's meet the kitchen ladies after and the players. Yeah. And I was like, this sounds... This sounds brilliant because I go over to Old Trafford and you know there's other people watching and listening this morning who probably go over to Liverpool or Man City or Chelsea or Leeds or whoever Villa, and it's you know it's enjoyable. It's a day out, but it's it's there's something missing from there it. Is. the character that maybe you get in League of Ireland. Um, like I remember going to Man United matches as a kid, and that had the character of the non-league. <laughs> it certainly had character, um, but I mean that's the sort of thing you're you're kind of like I'm going to Villa Park on Sunday, and I've never been, so there's the novelty aspect to it. But then when you're there, you're like, oh, this is just a Premier League game. Uh, it's meant you to know. be a huge pitch, Paul Scholes. Is it? Yeah. Right. Love playing in it. 
Patrick's going to throw that wonder volley but he said it's a great pitch to it must be a decent masses. atmosphere because it was often picked for FA Cup oh yeah, yeah I yeah, think definitely. they're a moody audience the Villa fans yeah uh, they're right accounts. yeah well it's yeah. Emery's first game so Emery's maybe they uh, feel good to be there they're feeling okay yeah uh, the Chelsea game last night as well lads I mean um, I was I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel and the um, the post mortem of course came afterwards on the literally literally yeah because he that. was practically dead he was practically yeah like I, I, I hope he's okay um, obviously injury wise but um, it just Jesus I was listening to Rio Ferdinand and Joe Cole on BT afterwards and, and you'd actually you'd actually swear he you actually swear he had passed away mm. I, and, and I mean tragedy like that that word was used oh, it's, it's a tragedy and like I've said to you before we came on air like I, when I interviewed Clive Tilsley a couple of years ago he said that's one thing he doesn't do in his commentary is use words like tragedy because because of Hillsborough, because of Heisel, because of actual tragedies that happen in football, um, and that struck a chord with me. I was like, Jesus, that that makes sense. Mm. Like your choice of words is so important, and maybe something that you don't think of too often. But I mean, to call something like, look, it, it's a personal massive blow. I'm sure for Ben Chilwell if he if he doesn't make the World Cup. But we get this every World Cup. You know, Pogba's out. Pogba probably release a ten thousand word statement on his missing the World Cup and. He's extremely blessed, like absolutely blessed to have this ability yeah. to have so much wealth in his life. This is not a tragedy. No. He will wake up the following morning and he'll still be an awful lot luckier than any of still us. Still be in his mansion. Um, still be in his mansion. Yeah, but that perspective is long last on these players, lads, because that's all they've known. Like, So for their world, yeah. that it's a personal sporting tragedy. The problem is they didn't give that context when they used the word tragic. But that's what they mean. They don't mean it's a global tragedy in the world events. I like. know, I know, but the choice were like uh, that's all. That, I, that's what I the way I see it. They, like they're the just three grumps segment here every morning now. Like, yeah, huh? it's becoming the three grumps uh, segment. Like, you know, <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to be the positive guy over um, here in the corner. I get, the, I get the human element, and and if I was in Ben Chilwell's shoes, I'd be like, I'd be gut, you'd be yeah, gutted to miss a World Cup because you, you build up for it every f- four years. It's like an Olympian missing the Olympics. Mm. Um, but it's just sometimes football. I think it's carried away with itself. And the coverage gets carried away with itself, and and we forget that it's Pat Smullen was champion jockey. He died of pancreatic cancer in his early forties. That's a tragedy. Yeah, yeah that's an actual tragedy. In, that in that still lives on in the lives of people. It's still a tragedy. Um, it's not a tragedy to miss a football tournament. I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. Um, and especially a football tournament like this one, where mm. as I was listening to Joe and the lads on on the um, what's their segment called the um, a slight tangent, slight tangent last night, and um, they, they as Joe said like. How are we all going to feel half an hour after the World Cup final ends? Mm. When it's mm. okay, we, we might get invested in, in some of the games during the tournament, but as soon as it's over, I think we're all going to feel like we need a shower and mm. feel a little bit dirty for watching it. Um, I don't. I don't think people will feel that way. At no, all. no, I think some people. People will watch. I think people will watch the games and they'll be like, "All right," and they'll get into it. And then I think what's going to happen is every day it'll be like you'll talk about the match. Yeah, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, but you know, who cares? It's the dodgy World Cup, and then you'll get into the knockout stages of the tournament, and then people will just start talking about the football because, like, we're talking about the context during the tournament now because a ball hasn't been kicked, matches start, VAR decisions will occur, players will get sent off, someone will get injured, someone will score a wonder goal, and then we're just talking about the football. The reason none of this is ever going to change is because we all get distracted by the football, mm. and the people continue to make money from it. Like, so the, the world goes on. Yeah. It'll never go back. So what, what are you? What are we going to do? Like just complain about the World Cup the whole time it's on? Well, I think like it shouldn't be on, and then the World Cup's going to continue regardless. I'd like to see like the Australian video that the players released. Was, that was great. Was, it was positive. Um, you know, there might be the odd player that wears rainbow laces in, in support with the LGBT movement. Um, you might have little mini things like that, but I'd like to see something proper. Like 
what's that going to do? Mm. At the end of the day, all great um, positive things to do. But I mean, it it would have taken, and it's too late. It's too late now, regardless. But well, it, you either boycott it or you don't. Yeah, it, and that's it, really the only thing you can do. It would have taken you, a big team play. to pull out. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Super, like the Super League one pulls out and then mm. it's domino effect I thought the Australian video was absolutely brilliant we played the full yeah. thing last week and it was excellent like that's powerful Hummel's decision not to brand that's fine it's all that's fine you could be cynical and say that's a marketing ploy but it's, it's probably fine the little measures like that like it'll go down in history and their legacy that Hummel did that that the Australian players did that and that's great Yeah. but like the tournament organisers like Grant whatever it's like the Glazers United it's like yeah you can hate us if you want but we're still going to own the club yeah, it's in like know. the Middle East moment like the Iranian protests which kind of have um, maybe die down in terms of media um, they're incredible like the bravery of people to stand up yeah. for regimes oh, yeah, like that absolutely. and essentially women not wearing the hijab I, I like I've been to Iran and I've massive fondness for the place but most of the people are young and deeply frustrated at life. It's not all the Iranian regime's fault, but um, to stand up as they have, and people have lost their lives, I think, 15 killed in Shiraz over the weekend, and you do have these Middle Eastern regimes that... I think the one good thing that will come out of this is people in Qatar will... There's an awful lot of focus on on um, you know the the right, human rights in the country. But Qatar is tiny. like It's basically a country of expats. Yeah. And it's almost like we're... We're picking on this, and like for me, the, the thing is, you've you've a, you've a World Cup in a place that's like one of the biggest like carbon burners in the world in terms of burning oil, and we, it, it, everything is sports washing when you look at what's happened with the climate, mm. if that makes sense. Because like without going on about this, like sports washing itself is sports washing because there's <laughs> so much crap coming down the tracks, like, yeah. and we'll talk about like developing academies developing players like you're not going to be able to play football in this country very shortly because it's going to be too hot like so you know it's it's almost like everything is sports washing after a while when you realise the bigger picture like. yeah it, all, it puts things in perspective a little bit but uh, yeah um, good conversation I'm sure, sure it's something we'll, we'll touch back on as the, the World Cup approaches in the next three weeks it's really uh, clawing down now is uh, the World Cup OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day at 7.52am on this Thursday morning delighted to be joined on the line now by the Westport and Mayo star Lee Keegan good morning Lee how are things? good guys how are you? how's the head? Uh, not bad yeah it's a lie anyway. It's it's a what is it a Monday club and a Tuesday club or how how are the how do celebrations happen at the minute for for club teams? Uh, well, there's Monday and the Tuesday club, and then I'm I'm too old, so there was no Wednesday club for me. So uh, I go back to work, and I have kids at home, so I got a I got the curly finger then, which I'm really happy to to give up. But no, it was um it was a great few days to be honest. Um, trying to piece back a few things together to make sure they're they're all good but yeah the cup was in good hands and uh, the crack was the crack was had so did you have a sing song in Mapaloy's <clears throat> no there's no Mapaloy's there was a couple other spots now where there was a lot of sing songs uh, I'm still a bit hoarse I'm sure you can gather that bit, so um <laughs> I would I wouldn't be a great singer, but I I let out a few tunes. You've been to Westport, Shane. Oh, I've been to Westport. Been to Matt Malloy's. Yeah, yeah, quality spot. Um, uh, one nine to one sexily against Bang last evening. I mean, for for people who, who wouldn't wouldn't have seen the game or followed the Mayo Championship this year, an incredible achievement. First time Westport have ever won the, the Mayo Senior Championship and. Ballina as well probably heavy favourites going into the game is that fair to say? Absolutely um, big big favourites for the game uh, and, and rightly justified to be honest um, they were the team scoring goals at 14 goals scored in, in um, four games so either averaging something like 22 and a half points a game um, so that speaks volumes for their offence and the way they were playing and setting up and then ourselves a lot of people a lot of talking for us around 
we were not playing like Westworld associated for years with free flowing football and, and going kind of man to man and and basically getting shootouts where this year we kind of went a bit more um, compact a bit tighter in defence and a bit of structure and we only I can see that one goal up to that so it was kind of the, the scores against the uh, stoppers nearly to a degree but um, it's just it's a brilliant feeling to say there to, to win the first one it's it's really special for the club to be honest and it's a lot of hard work that's gone on in the background for years Um it just shows that we had a great belief within the group that we could get over the line on Sunday when even things didn't go well for us at times and during the year. You know, look at the Casper game to a certain extent. Shane's got goal in the, in the last kick of the game is kind of the right one the stars as I say a little bit. So a lot of things aligned well for us. Um, but you have to get your own bit of luck sometimes too and we deserved every bit of it. Looking at your record, uh, Westport's record in, in uh, senior championship finals, nine finals, zero wins before before the weekend and on five of those finals lost to Balaná. Um, which is quite extraordinary and even Balna with a team that, that relegated yourselves to the to the second tier intermediate it is, and, so yes. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a does it make it more special because there's a bit of a, a thing going on there there's a bit of a rivalry and plenty of history there is and I think there's going to be for a long time because if you look at both teams in particular excuse me um, they both both is huge they're going to be around for a long time and they're going to be in Kentmore finals that's not that's, and that's going to be the challenge for a lot of us but and thankfully, I'm not that old where we I played in any of the finals, so um, <laughs> I, I can't be associated with them. Uh, I can only be associated with the one final I played in. So, um, but yeah, no, Bella are the, the top tier team in Mayo Championship. That they have the most titles, they're the most successful club, uh, and they've dominated for a long time. Now, this is the happened one in 15 years. That's that's you know that's a new group coming through. So, there is a bit of a bittersweet moment. But I think when they relegate us to a certain extent, guys. Not to sound in any weird way, but I think it was probably no harm for the group mm. that we had. Um, because I think we needed a full rebrand, rebuild. Uh, and I suppose at the time, we didn't have a lot of guys coming through. It was only myself and, and Kevin Kane and I that were playing Mayo. Um, didn't have a lot of guys there. So we knew what was coming. Um, and that fruit situation came then in 2016, where we won the intermediate and then went on the, the All-Ireland run as well. So things like that. We've created a lot of history for the club with this current group of guys but it's not the likes of myself or Brian or Kenneth. it's the, it's the, this core group of lads that have won minor A medals under 21 A medals um, they've really dominated Mayo Underage and now they've really stepped up to play for the senior team and, and to be honest that core group guy, that's all they know is, is winning and they're, they're very comfortable in, in saying that they're not they're, that's not a confidence thing that's just they're just they're fully believing what they're doing and we got Shane Conway back in this year uh, he would have trained a lot of those guys in West College and school so Listen, as I said, a lot of things aligned really well for us this year. Um, and, you know, we, it, it, it was our target to win it. That's, that's, that's everyone's target. It's to win senior championship. And to do it as the first team in the club is just is just brilliant. And I love saying it. It just, it just sounds really well. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I keep saying it to myself every morning. <laughs> do, 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 how, like... Was this a long process to need, like, you see, there's so many people involved behind the scenes in clubs that maybe they wouldn't get certainly the national or, or sort of wider recognition where they would say, well, you know, we're going to put a plan in place here or we're literally going to take the under 12s. We're going to um, probably themselves a bit frustrated at the lack of success that Westport had had. Um, yeah, we've been lucky again. I'm talking about a core group of guys there. There's, there's just. There's, 12, 13 lads there that just are all the same age profile. Uh, and once they won the under 21 A, there was something kind of building from that group. Um, and even when we played the Intermediate All Ireland, there was the majority of those guys were 18, uh, even certain schools. So there's no baggage. They're just they're just very hardworking kids who want to come in and be successful. And that's not even saying 
if they make male grades, they're happy, but they're they're happy to dominate in, in male uh, and at their age group. So I, I was going to wait by hook or by crook to play with this group, to be honest, because I had a great feeling that we we're going to do something special with them. Um, and my wife kept saying to me, you'd be 40 by the time you start stepping up. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to do it sooner rather than later. So, um, but it, it's taken a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the times that goes like Charlie Lambert, the two, their two sons, his two sons are playing. He's chairman for the last five years. He's put a lot of work in the background. Uh, other guys, listen, I'm not going to start naming people because I've missed people, but like there's been a lot of hard work that's on the background. And again, I said something earlier, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people seem to be talking for Westport, but like a lot of people are doing their talk internally as groups and putting a lot of structure in place, put a lot of money, investment into teams, pitches. <clears throat> and even this year, anything that we needed in terms of support or anything at all, the guys were there to help us. Um, and I mean, that's all we need. But like essentially, it's all just about getting the right group of guys in together. We have, we have a panel of 34, I think, so we do. And every night, them lads come up to train hard. And I'm, 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 this, this is not just generic saying, they come up to work hard. Shane Connor, Martin Comedy, that they, and they're as transparent as any Android worker for is if you're not doing yourself, you will not be playing in the story. I don't care who we are. Uh, you need to be doing the right stuff for us, doing the right stuff for the team. And it's you're, you're always backing the team over yourself. You always make the right decision for the team. And you seem to have been a couple of changes right through the group. And like, what I loved about the, the, this year is that we're missing probably two or three of our best players. Colin Moore is one of the best club forwards in Mayo. Um, he was carrying us the last two years. Uh, didn't play, didn't play, didn't get ball this year. Owen McLaughlin only played one game this year. Joe Grady got, did his crew shoot in the quarterfinal. was one of our best players in championship at that point. So listen, there's been a lot of guys that haven't got to play unfortunately, but it was never an excuse. It was just get on with the job and, and you see what happened because we just believed that we could do it it's kind of a cliched question obviously and you you haven't won all Ireland with Mayo but you've won a lot of big games how does it compare? ah listen the club is everything like I mean like I don't think it, it's not apples or apples uh, in any way because <clears throat> essentially at the club I, I don't get to play for Mayo uh, and that's just the reality of it uh, so I need to be pretty sure that I'm present with my club as much as I can and, and that's hard sometimes because the county season takes over a lot of the year so it's it's not the same. It's not the same in any degree because sometimes you know Mayo at that stage is where talked about, and that's that's fine. But it's when you go back to the the roots of where you grew up and what you did, and the group of guys like I mentioned, Kevin Kane there last day, like he's my one of my best mates. Like so, we we've through through everything from under I don't under twelves, thirteens, right up to up to senior, and and we had a hard, not a hard underage years where we didn't win a lot. Uh, we won an intermediate in nine, and then. Again, we had a massive gap. Uh, we talked like we were 18, 19 that time in 09 and we said we're going to win plenty and it took us to lose it, to 16 and, and 17 to do something again and then again, there was a, another little wait to get off the line last day but it, it's days like last day that me and Kevin appreciate the most and I just, I love looking into the, like the, the families and, and the relationships in the club that we got to meet after the game and that's, that's, that's the personal aspect of, of playing with your club and what it means to people. I was watching a uh, very emotional interview you did, Lee, after the after the match at the weekend, and, and like, I guess for a game where you win by three points and there's only a kick of the ball in it until the last minute, you can't you can't relax until that full full time whistle goes. I mean, what was what what went through your head when that full time whistle went and and you realised that you were Mayo senior champions for the first time? Um, so there's always a relief to be honest, because uh, there's always there's huge pressure. Uh, there's always pressure running the finals. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably a bit more documented for playing finals and not getting over the line. Um, so there's always that little bit of bittersweet moment that it's it's done. Um, but it's funny, I, I won nearly everything Barris have a wire, so it's 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 a funny one to say that I haven't won many finals. I won plenty as well, so um, and I'm proud of that. And 
and I was just proud to be involved with the guys on Sunday. Um, I really was. And it's not a thing where it's, it was leaking about Westford and just with a group of guys that are pulling their weight, just working like dogs week in, week out. And I just, I just enjoyed that. I loved, I loved the whole, I loved the whole year, to be honest. It's been just, it's just been a brilliant, <laughs> a brilliant crack. It's been a brilliant journey, uh, so far. Uh, we know the game out and Sunday weekend's my column, but. It just, just when the whistle goes, it's very hard to sum up. But I still sometimes you get a bit lost words. Like and I was lost words and something because I didn't know how to describe it. To be honest, you just don't know. Um, and it, like I suppose initially it's always relief because you've done it. But in the last few days and just having chats with the, the guys and families around and, and the parishes that were people doing bonfires, it just then you realise right, it's it's not just not just fifty man or twenty man team. It's there's a lot more people out there that want to mean sense and I just was delighted that we can say we did it for the people of Westworth. Uh, and to say that you're the first team to do it to win a senior medal and as I said in last day it's the pinnacle of your club career to, to win a senior medal. Um, and that's what it means. Um, so that medal store nice in the back pocket now when we get it and, and one that'll look back in the years to come and enjoy it. But I do think if, if if we want, we have huge opportunities as a club to progress and, and do more, but that's for another time for talking. But I think when the whistle on Sunday was just, I think it was just a rollercoaster emotions. It's, it's Sometimes it's very hard to sum up. Uh, but the overall feeling was just absolutely delighted uh, to be involved. Um, I never was happy to hear a final whistle go as quick. Has it, has it given you, like, because I remember when we, myself and Jerry last spoke to you in September, uh, it was just after or before the second round of the championship, I think, and uh, you were talking about having, you know, changing priorities in your life, and, and, you know, football had taken centre stage for so long, and now you're obviously, as you say, focusing on the kids and family and everything else, and rightly so. I mean, but, but has this given you, um, as I guess, a renewed sense of vigour? Because you, you've spoken well before about the, the young players coming through in, in, in Westport and how that, and seeing them progress and come into the first team and, and get playing championship matches has given you a new sense of, of enjoyment for the game so has, has winning this trophy nearly whetted your appetite for more or how do you feel after it? You know, there's a coin in that question over there <laughs> um, well, when we get to yesterday morning when you'd be in a, in a really loose, loose state of chat <laughs> when, you, when you text me Tuesday there was a way I was going on Wednesday <laughs> that much. Uh, that's fair enough like I suppose like yeah, like yeah, like I said before, I'm, I'm the oldest guy in the team in Westport, and I'm that's good. I'm fine with that. Uh, but I do I, I, the satisfaction I get seeing the guys from the intermediate when they're eighteen to the to the guys there now and what they've done uh, and how they developed. And that, can, of course, if that doesn't give me appetite to play and, and want to win more with that group, mm. then there's, there's something wrong with me because these guys are not waiting for anyone. They're 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 working. They're they're trying to do the right thing for the club. So if that doesn't give me some some kick in the arse to say, well, I need to follow this and then I'm, I'm just worse off the next person. So yeah, I get the satisfaction I get from playing with those guys is just, it's crazy. Uh, I love, I just love it. I just, there's just such a buzz. Um, and of course, it gives you an appetite to play more and want to win more, uh, but for the club. Uh, and that's the thing I'm talking about. These guys I want to play with for the club because these guys are doing the stuff for the club. Uh, and that, and it would be different conversation advice with Mayo when this had happened and I talk with the younger kids and the other guys and of course there's always an appetite there as well but I'm solely solely depressed with the, the group of guys I'm playing with at the moment because that's all that matters for me at the moment because we're, we're still together we're still another match in, in a week and a half so it'd be very rude to me to be discussing other options or aspects of what's going on out there rather than just Westport versus my call and I was on the week uh, and what that does and, and the celebration that we had last day so I just I don't want to take it away from the group just because it's, it should be just Westport 
Absolutely. I, I'm sure you're sick of getting asked that question, but the like. I'm not. No, uh, I'm not. The, no. Like the mail, but the mail. Like even when Kevin McStay, like I'm sure Kevin has spoken to you, but it's probably one of those things where you don't want to focus on it until the club is over. But it's. Uh, I'm sure it's still one of those questions you get fairly often. Yeah, well, I see a text there. Now. I know I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like the like decision's going to have to be made eventually, but I, I like the fact that it's put on hold for the while because I get to play another game at Westport. Uh, <laughs> Do you feel as like, good as ever? I I feel good. Yeah, I, I well, I, I didn't after the game, and I don't, not from not from celebrations, but I like I, I like I do break down from time to time. Yeah, so, because. Like the, the club is as tough as county. Uh, like I know it's only sixty minutes, but it's 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 rigorous enough. We still train as much as the county. You have your gym sessions. Like you're still doing four or five times a week uh, to be trying to make the peak of your game. And I mentioned last night I wasn't particularly that good on Sunday, but I didn't have to be because there was enough of the guys that were doing the job for me. Uh, so I was delighted. And so yeah, but I, in terms of appetite and and playing at the peak, I, I feel as good as ever. To be honest, yeah, I do. Uh, and that's and that comes into. I was reading yesterday, Paul Finley from Bally Bay, and he said, like, once you have all your ducks in a row and, and, and things are going well in life, why, why wouldn't you enjoy it? Um, <clears throat> like, we're given the opportunity uh, to, to play in something we love playing. So, I mean, if I'm happy going into the, into a group playing football, then absolutely, then I, of course, of course, I love playing. I feel great. Uh, once, now, I don't feel, still don't feel great today. Now, we're back training tonight, which would be fun. But, I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the fun part as well. But, in terms of performance, I could never question performance-wise the reason for not playing. Uh, it's just other things about it sometimes that you need to just look, look internally and see where they're at. The things you'll, you'll remember, this in 40 years' time, like you'll have great memories of going even back to training tonight and smiling on people's faces. Like. Yeah, but like we can't wait to get back together. Uh, like guys were back doing their bit last night as well. Uh, so... That's that's the fun part. We're back together. We're still going. Uh, and like I, I, I'd be very good friends with Paul Gahora, Swanee, and we, we were having great chats during the year before we, we came up with each other and saying like, what else would you be at? Where else would you be like? You know, like people saying I love the break, but like they'd also love to be involved in, in big days like Sunday. Mm. And actually, that's that's the fun part of life. It's, they don't come around too often. So I mean. The two of us agreed. Like, sure. What else would you be at in the bank on a Sunday? We're kicking the ball around the mm-hmm. park. You're going back no, to Mayo anyway. I think we can say. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, Paul Joyce was one of the people. So I get seen a headlock. I might have one. Paul Joyce was one of the people who paid tribute to you, Lee. I think on, on Twitter. I think it was the weekend. He was saying no one is more deserving of a of a club senior title. Like, it's, I'm sure it's lovely to hear tributes like that. I, 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 well, I Bork is one of my coaches in the National before, so I know I know Bork. Like, and he's just a great lad, like you know. So I think I have nothing but a most respect for that. So it's great to hear when your peers give you respect like that, and uh, because they know the work that goes in the scenes themselves. And when big days come off the likes of themselves, like they did on Sunday, they know exactly the appreciation, the level of satisfaction that we get from from Sunday. Well, I know Mayo have have Galway up in the the league. I think in the first game, so maybe all it takes Lee is it, during the Mike Cullen match, a couple of them Galway county lads rubbing you up the wrong way, and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna yeah. go for one more year. Mike Cullen or some squad is lads very large. What are your chances in Connacht? Do you think? Um, I think we're going to give it a right crack. We're going to give it a right go, guys. So there's no reason why we wouldn't. Uh, we think we've been on kind of runs and interview before. Um, and we know the again the satisfaction levels of, of getting the job done. So, like we're we're delighted with the test we have Sunday week. Uh, we're running as big underdogs again, which is fine. Um, so yeah, uh, we're like to be honest as a group. Like we haven't overly discussed it obviously because celebrate. I'm sure my colour are, are probably a bit the same. Get back there tonight uh, and start analysing a bit. And like, listen, we don't need much analysing. They're just a quality outfit. Uh, I think they have six older players straight away. You can name off the top of your tongue. Mm-hmm. So, two championships in three years speaks volumes for their club and what they've done as a small parish. So, 
we're, we're we actually can't wait for the test to be honest because they're the teams that you really want to see or measure up against see where you're at um, outside your own county so like we know we're going to be on dogs over that game no doubt but we, we have full belief that we can get, it, get the job done if we get get things right again so um, it'll be a cracking game I hope Uh Couple of the Kelly lads now and a couple of our lads now matching up. It's, it's, there's some tasty, tasty individual battles up yeah. there straight away. So. Can't wait. Listen, Lee, uh, huge congratulations again on the weekend and uh, very best of luck in the, in the, in the, the remainder of the Connacht Championship, however long you go. Thanks, Lee, guys. I appreciate it. Great stuff, as always. Lee Keegan there, Westport star and uh, Mayo star as well. Yeah, um, he, he's, he's, he's copped on this media game. Like yeah. he, he was asked to come on he's yesterday. Great. He's great. He's yeah, just say you will and then deal with doing it or not doing it later and then like oh geez, you know maybe I need another day here and I'm back training tonight and he sounds fresh again yeah, I understand and I listened to Lee after the after the weekend and like he had kind of he was asked about the Mayo question as well and he, he mm. said I genuinely like I genuinely haven't decided and I haven't considered it because all I'm thinking about is the club um, and I kind of admire and respect that like if, if, if back of your head you're thinking am I going, going again for next year he has loads of time to decide totally so yeah. I mean Play your club championship and and play the Moy Cullen game, and if you get over that, just concentrate on on, on week by week. And it's like five times a week with the club, like it's it's just mad, isn't it? the commitment these lads have. It's incredible and club level, club level, and then you, I mean, I I wasn't aware up until the weekend that Westport hadn't won something. I mean, if Lee Keegan went through his career without winning either an All Ireland or a county with his Senior, club, yeah, yeah, like and you talk about Chilwell and Lee Keegan is blessed to be as one of the best footballers of his generation, one of the best defenders probably in the game we've seen but at the same time um, at the level of Gaelic games and the amateur commitment and the amount of work that they gave like yeah. uh, that he, he's so worthy of it and uh, he's going to be one of the best players of this like he's five all-stars yeah and he, five all-stars I mean which is just it sums it up um, and d- d- I think defines def- that Mayo kind of um you know, history is written by the winners, but Mayo gave so many good performances and so many valiant performances against exceptional football teams, losing by a point, getting the replays, and he defined that spirit, I think, and this, like, no lack of belief in Lee Keegan whenever he went on to a pitch in Crow Park. Ah, unbelievable. And I love chatting to Lee because he's, he's refreshingly open and honest. Like, he's he's not trying to asher look it. He's... he's you know, you think he thinks about his answers. You know, yeah, he has that kind of cool West of Ireland accent as well. You can tell. Westport is like the it's kind of the <laughs> it's like the Dublin Four of sort of Mayo anyway. Really cool spot, very touristy near the near yes. the Atlantic Ocean. Lovely part of town. English design actually one of those kind of design towns probably back in the 18th century. Really slick looking town. Really vibrant. Matt Malloy's as I mentioned and. You can tell he's like that was probably a slur at the match. You're the townies, like you know, you never win anything. You know That's the way like a lot of the rural clubs do better than the yeah, hundred percent same in Monaghan. Nace are in the Nace were playing Crokes the weekend, and Nace would have been massively underachievers in Kildare, and now yeah. it's but but it's funny like a lot of the like even at home I can see like Roscommon wouldn't have necessarily been the, the the football team soccer team that we thought they would have been, and they would have been uh, superior rural teams. It's so strange like this this is the case in rural Ireland. Like, the same I said mm. recently in the show as well uh, the two re- teams relegated from the Monaghan Senior Championship this year were Cart Macross and Castleblaney two of the mm. biggest towns mm. and my own club Monaghan Harps which is the Monaghan Town team kicking the ball away from getting relegated mm. from intermediate so mad, like, just mad the, yeah. like, the rural teams uh, pushing, punching them up I've done, done a few accents there as well absolutely we'll, we'll stay away from the South Monaghan accent for the rest of the show I might do it one more time so stay tuned just towards the end <laughs> yeah uh, 13 minutes past the end on this uh, Thursday morning OTBM brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember effort to shave magnificent Mo you can sign up or donate now at Movember.com up next more 
club greatness and uh, enjoyable celebrations as well for, for everyone down in Nemo Rangers in Cork. Luke Connolly will be with us back after this. OTB AM. 14 minutes past eight on this Thursday morning on OTB AM with myself, Shane Hannan, and Johnny Ward. Delighted to say a very good morning to the Nemo Rangers senior football captain, Luke Connolly. Morning, Luke, how are things? Morning, gents. How are you? Well, thank you. Keeping well. We were just chatting to Lee Keegan there. Um, Westport's first ever senior championship title in Mayo, and uh, he's still uh, recovering from the celebrations. Uh, you're for yourselves fifth county title in uh, in eight years for Nemo Rangers at the weekend. One sixteen to two nine win against St Finbars. Um, regardless of how many you've won, Luke, I'm sure each one is 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 all the more special. Yeah, look, that, that's probably a, a club ethos as well. But the, the the next one is the most important one. But um, yeah, I, I certainly won't tire of winning a, a county medal anyway. Um, and I, I hope there's many more to come. But uh, yeah, look, we, we treat everyone um, as special. I would imagine Lee treats his one fairly special. I think this is our first in nine, maybe. Um, so look, we're, we're not naive or oblivious to the fact that it's, it's not an easy thing to win a county. So um, yeah, we're, we're certainly not going to lose the, the joy of winning one. How are the celebrations for yourselves, Tony Nemo? They're they're good. I'm I'm glad he asked to speak to me this morning because I think my voice on Tuesday morning was uh, was uh, wasn't working. So, he was the same um, funny. I've had a, a yeah, I've had a day now to recover. So um, no, look, it, it was fabulous. Um, you know, I, we we won a delayed county final, um, kind of on the tail end of COVID. So it was it was very subdued. So I think it was um, you know, there was a serious release of, of joy and emotion in the club, and and a lot of people were able to experience it together. So um, yeah, it, it felt uh, fairly significant. You, you found your parents at the full-time whistle, Luke. Um, like the community feel and seeing people you know. I mean, that, that must have been quite an overwhelming emotion. Uh, it, it was, and, and to be honest, I think it, it did actually overwhelm me for for a brief period. Um, look, everything that happened this year with the, the the way the year was falling, centenary year, being captain. Um, uh, I, I, as I said in an interview, I, I pride myself on being calm and and not letting anything affect me. But uh, with, yeah, I think when I found my father, it was a a, a bit of a mess for a couple of seconds but uh, I, I pulled it together thankfully but um, but no look as I said for some reason this year it, ju- it just felt significant it just felt like an outpouring of, of emotion and uh, yeah no look just fabulous to see the crowds that we were able to go out there and, and, and there's so much black and green on the pitch well, what's, What is the club uh, county contrast like we kind of spoke to Lee about this and you do hear it year and year again like that you know this is, this is the lads you grew up with uh, yeah, like there's fellas there I played with. Like I can think already of six lads I played with since I was four years of age. You know, lads I've been in school with, lads that. Um, you know, I, I mean the other side of it too is like growing up watching some of these players like Sir Paul Kerrigan, um, some of our management team. You know, Gerald O'Shea. I remember Gerald O'Shea coming to school um, with the cups and and John Cherney's these lads, and now I'm you know working with them or playing with them and. Um, as I said, look, I'd imagine every other player talking about the club, it's that sense of community, it's those fellas you've grown up with and played with all your life. Um, as opposed to, look, county, don't get me wrong, it's fabulous, you play with great players, but um, there's just that sense of, I don't know, it, it just it just means more when it's within your club colours. You mentioned Paul Kerrigan as well, like it must be so special for him, I know he's not like necessarily going to be lasting 70 minutes now or whatever, but um, you know, at this stage of his career... Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but I, I, he did say to a few lads after the game it was probably his favourite county. Um, and look, obviously, you know, there was there was a bit of that shock when he was when he was left out of the team in the semi final, I think it was. But I mean, look, 
Paul is a professional always has been um, the way he's carried himself and, and the influence he's had when he has come on has been huge um, you know and it, it's small stuff that goes unnoticed um, I think I rewatched the game um, and there's two short free kicks that he wins that's you know at a late stage of the game not many fellas are running to, to get the ball when, when the, you're under that much pressure so um, look he's, he's the utmost professional but I mean it's hard not to admire the guy the, 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 yeah, the, the the management team that must be like it must take balls and kind of they must have you must have trust in them to know that they're doing this for the right reason as well. It's like just preserve his legs for the last sort of for the second half more or less. Huge and uh, look, I mean, I mean, at the other side of it too, it's it was a massively brave call. But mm. I suppose you got to appreciate what the management team done. The other side of it too is look, you have to, to give a show to the likes of Luke Horgan and and Lauren Dalton, who were two players who you know put their hands up. The past couple of weeks and how they performed and, mm. and made them made that decision. So, um, as much as you can praise the management, you know, full credit has to go to the, the lads who, you know, forced away into a team. You know, which which you don't really see in a run like this. Usually, the, the fifteen is set. Um, you always hear that kind of cliche. Look, there's players, there's places up for grabs. And I don't know do many fellas believe that. You know, when when you're sitting on the bench for many games, but um, yeah, look. Full credit to both management and the lads, but I think most credit has to go to Paul and the way he handled himself um, and how he's brought those lads on. Strikes me, Luke, and I'm, I'm just thinking here of the the famous clip of John O'Mahony in the A Year Till Sunday documentary, where he has the the newspapers up on the dressing room wall and the fancy dance and all this. Uh, like for a team that's so successful, Nemo, in recent years, you were fairly criticised coming into the coming into the final I know that's something that kind of maybe stuck in the craw of yourself and a few of the players and maybe that was based on a quarter final performance this year but is that was that the motivation was it to prove people wrong <clears throat> do you feel like the team was maybe disrespected this year I, I, I suppose I don't want to get too carried away with that either I, I suppose some of the interviews we done straight after the game there was probably a bit of raw emotion <laughs> leading into us really leaning on the whole being um, criticised no look we were criticised and don't get me wrong, the quarterfinal, we, we didn't play well. Um, the, the group game against Clan was probably a different scenario where we were already qualified and, and I suppose they were looking to avoid being dragged into relegation battles. So um, it, it was kind of a different mindset. But um, but yeah, look, the other side of it too is, for me personally, I felt that the group itself was, was probably a little bit disrespected. Um, and that, look, I'm, I'm talking more about the collective than individual players. Um, do you know, you've got if you don't mind me going through a few lads like you've got Conor Horgan who was a county final man of the match in 2015 is still putting out fabulous performances for us and has had back to back I think one three in this three in the same final and one three in the final draw and, and probably should have got man of the match given the goal he got um, you know you've got the likes of Jack Horgan again I think he was man of the match in the 2017 county final is still putting out brilliant performance for us so um, we just felt that as a group you know there's there's a lot of lads in this panel who have achieved a lot and have done a lot for this club um, and we just felt that they were being written off based on our performance and it was a kind of everything that went before that was forgotten we'll say like it strikes me and, and like I spoke about motivation and trying to get yourself motivated when, when, you're, when you're a team that's so successful <clears throat> there's a great quote here <clears throat> excuse me Luke there's a great quote here from um, club legend Jim Kremen uh, late club legend down in Nemo before he, before he passed away the most important player to play for Nemo hasn't been born yet and it's up to the senior team to keep that fire burning like it's a great quote and it's always it's, it's a great way of looking at it like that the the best days are ahead of you kind of thing yeah and, and to be honest look obviously the, the late great Jim Kremen there, there's so much stuff you can say about the man 
Um, but I just remember, particularly after the 2020 um, delayed county final, it was it was Paul Kerrigan. It seemed to be all something about Paul up smart. It was Paul Kerrigan who actually who said it, and it has just it just stuck with me since. And I, I think it, it it kind of encapsulates the ethos of the club. Um, and what it, what it means to for Liam Rangers, you know, and and I suppose it, it captures how we feel about the club as well. Um, you know, it was it was actually a, a, a former teammate and a club member. I remember after the semi final, and it was something again like this that he said to me that stuck with me is that after we won, I think a few lads went over to some of the young kids who had come all the way down and just small stuff gave him a high five. Um, and he said, "You actually don't understand how important those kind of small things is as opposed to result." Um, and the way he clarified is he asked me what's your first memory of a county final with Nemo or going to one and I said I remember going to see I don't even remember the year I think Nemo played Bishopstown in a county final I was a kid I think we went to school and I couldn't tell you the result <laughs> I couldn't tell you who played I couldn't tell you whether no Nemo did win as far as I remember but I couldn't tell anything about the game but I can remember I think it was it Colin came over and I know he waved a couple of the kids in the stand and that's the memory I have of that county final. So um, it was only when he said that to me, I kind of said, you know what? Yes, love winning. It, it's great for us. But you know, in the grander scheme of things, it, it's much bigger than us days like that. Like when you celebrated, it was your 30th yesterday as well, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, thanks uh, Jesus, happy birthday. There we go. Yeah, bring him <laughs> on after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any excuse yeah, for I'll another party? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're on one yeah, level, yeah, you're... Yeah, so. I would never you're celebrating but like you've commercials coming up and you're I'm just looking at it you're only four teams shorter than you in the betting for the All-Ireland so including Kilku who are actually fourth favourites despite being champions just shows the depth so you've Croaks Mike Cullen Glenn and then this isn't even mentioned the likes of Nace and Westport and so on like you're celebrating but are you at the other level thinking we, we could go on to something really great here Look, I'll be straight up. We're not going to hide away from the fact that when you look, if you in your county, everyone dreams big. It's, it's as simple as that. We we were, you know, we we got there in 2017. Unfortunately, we came up against you know, Carfin and probably one of the best club teams that's been around for for quite some time. Um, 2019 again, I think we got to the semi final again against Carfin. Probably didn't play a glove on them that day either. Um, but the other side of it too is is that we know look, Carmel or Sierra Southfield. Um, they will be going in for us after the, the Munster final um, in 2019 um, but I mean look every team that wins their county and goes out is going to dare to dream let's be straight up about it um, we're not going to hide away from that Do you know you're what is it five games if you win five games you're an all-around champion so um, as much as we're not going to get too carried away with it I mean look you're not naive, naive enough to believe that people aren't having that conversation in the group um, but the other side, as you said, I mean, it's an absolute minefield when you do come out of your county. Um, winning Munster alone will be will be a huge task. So, um, I mean, you've got the Clamells, the Newcastle West. I mean, these are these are really good teams. Like, just finally for me, where are you at Cork at the moment? Uh, <laughs> um, look, that that's a conversation that that I hope to have. Um, we we're not out of the club in my back pocket, but um, but yeah, look, that's. Did that's you hear Lee Keegan? Now you can just say what he said, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually. Yeah, if you could just kind of cut what he said on top of me as well, uh, <laughs> that would be a, a good way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's going so, again another um, ten years. <laughs> um, well, look, look physically, I'd be look physically I'd be great, but um, but yeah, look, there's a there's a few people I'd, I'd have to have a, a conversation with, but um, but yeah, look, that's that's something I I'll address. 
Uh, so I don't want it to sound like it's some huge thing. Uh, I might even get a phone call, to be honest. You never know. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll deal with that as it comes. Watch this space. Um, look, <laughs> finally, for me, I mean, Megan qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, She's taking all the shine off you as well. Um, but I got my two days. I'm you got your two days. That's and the thirtieth, yeah, and the thirtieth birthday as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, but, yeah so. What was that like um, as a brother to be watching? To be watching that. Um, I know you're trying to keep updates on your phone, probably for that uh, Scotland match. But and then, and now you have a World Cup to look forward to as a family. I'm sure you'll head over next year. Yeah, look. I mean, first and foremost, it's it's just it's just incredible. I think the, the term I used in a few interviews was bizarre, but I think it, it doesn't even grasp the magnitude of you know she's preparing for World Cup. We're having a conversation about you know, one of the biggest accomplishments you can have in a career. Um, and yeah, I think what was special is the fact that we got it to share with it with her. Now, obviously, she would prefer to have been on the pitch that night. Um, but uh, but no, look, it, it's fabulous. Uh, the father has his flights booked as is um, so we'll, we'll be following fairly soon um, but uh, no um, an incredible achievement and, and one that, that, that we can't wait to experience and soak in um, do you know I mean uh, if you'd ask for your opening game at a World Cup what it would be I suppose playing the host the first night is, 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 is as good as you can get really <laughs> um, and obviously with the Irish continued that is in Australia you might get a fairly substantial um, green crowd over there so um, Look for her now. I think it's just about getting through the the club season now, getting back fit, um, and and trying to get her the best out of, of Brighton, um, and hopefully go into the World Cup in, in good form. Yeah, I remember watching the. A lot of people have World Cup memories as a kid. I remember watching O two, you know, the TV getting rolled into the classrooms. Like, it oh yeah, yeah, that's it. It. yeah, the big big TV on wheels. Yeah, I think I remember watching. I watched the Saudi Arabia game in school. Um, <laughs> But my my mother, in her wisdom, said I was sick for the Germany game and pulled me out. Could you play uh, a bit of ball? Could you? Uh, I I could. I, look, anyone who probably this wouldn't say it, but I, I, I probably thought I was better than what I was. But uh, the the problem for me is I like when I got better at soccer was actually because of playing senior football. <laughs> so when I went back playing at kind of nineteen twenty, I was I don't know I was a bit braver. We'll say is probably the better term. Um, but uh, I I could play. No, look, I wasn't Megan. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, in my own head, I thought I could play. Colin Healy will be on the line anyway. <laughs> <laughs> still time, still time. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, that's yeah, there's, there's still time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, Luke, great stuff as always. Uh, huge congrats again to yourself and the Nemo lads uh, last weekend. Best luck against the Clamell commercials as well. And uh, listen, we'll check in again soon, no doubt. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Luke Connolly. There, Nemo Rangers and uh, Cork footballer good guy as well good guy, um, yeah. yeah that's going to be so bizarre watching your sister playing a World Cup I can it only imagine when you think about for a family it. just to watch one of um, your siblings or daughter or son or whoever it's so uh, intangible for the men's senior team you think at the moment to get there and uh, it's going to be some hype and to see your sister just imagine imagine being I've thought about this imagine being like a dad or a mother of a really successful like sporting family yeah like it must be and then so much is made of how the the parenting influenced the development of the kid on the pitch because there's that you know that father who's constantly given out there's that father who's constantly given encouragement so there's the father in between and the mother in between and there's the parents who just don't go to the games at all yeah, yeah, yeah. and do you know what I mean it, it, I think that's so important in one's development as well that you know the parents give the right advice and obviously genetics seem to help 
Well, they certainly helped the Connollys. The Connollys are doing all right. Yeah, as are the Hannans. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that again, uh, Johnny. We'll, we'll get to that again. Your accents and everything. Yeah, we're not oh. going to the World Cup now, mind you. We're winning county <laughs> championships, but we're trying our best. Well, the Cork Jazz Fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, half past eight on this Thursday morning. OTPM brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at Movember.com. Now it's time for Johnny to tell us why you had to be there. It's so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life. You had to be there. Yeah, that's the latest episode of You Had to Be There here on OTBAM. And Johnny, I can't wait for this. We're gonna we're gonna go in uh, order of I guess chronological when this happened. So we'll start with two thousand and one. And uh, a man that uh, lives long in the memories and uh, as a player and still as a manager with Galway, Port Joyce. Yeah, it's, it's lovely to see that. It's lovely to see him referenced again this morning by Lee Keegan. And, um, you know, so many great players, I suppose, don't make managers. But, like, I think what Galway achieved this year, and again, history is written by the winners, but Galway were winners this year in many respects to get to an All-Ireland final and to produce that performance, which I'll again get to later on in the uh, <laughs> little clip. But... Uh, so 1998 was kind of um, I, I was I was doing my junior cert and I, I don't know what it was because like I, I suppose my upbringing with Galway watching Galway footballers and the hurlers was like failure constant failure but yeah. the, the hurlers were kind of because of the makeup of you know the championship the hurlers at that stage they were never that far off whereas with the footballers like um, you, you're thinking the, the hammers of Mayo got um, and, and then Galway kind of coming as a, as a something of a force in, in the mid-90s and winning it in 98. And, and in 98, it felt like it's, there was something special about the, the feeling in the county. And as a, as a teenager, maybe you're romanticising it now, but there was something special about it. And it was because of players like Porrick Joyce and Michael Donlan from the Dunmore Club, from your dad's club, and... Um, I don't know, John O'Mahony came in and, and it was it was special... Subsequently, obviously, the next couple of years they came unstuck, and then the the back door came in in two thousand and one, and um, we'll be talking to a man with strong with strong affinity for Wicklow. I think Galway started off in Ockram in two thousand and one, if I remember rightly, um, and it culminated anyway in a final against Meath, in which they were sort of struggling in the first half, and then Porrick Joyce just got ten points. And Porridge just, just got 10 points. And I remember like... Uh, just the 10 points. Jesus. It was like left and right. And I mean, we spoke we spoke about this earlier with Colm. You do look back in games. And I did look back in this game. I bought I bought it as one of these last ditch like Hail Mary DVDs for my brother as a Christmas gift. You know, when you should have put more thought into it um, a few years ago and watched it back. And I was like, yeah, this, that wasn't quite as good a game as I remember whereas 98 was actually amazing and Galway and Kildare in 98 was an amazing game but Porrick Joyce get 10 points I think Meath got 8 Porrick Joyce 17 got 10, points to eight, yeah. 17 points to 8 so you're like um, he was an unbelievable footballer like and the, the Joyce's in general what a what a family what a bunch of characters like love the horses love football real like quintessential northeast Galway men I think and uh, his, his talent and it, it was amazing to see him make that step into management because you got to remember like there would have been a lot of probably criticism of Porrick Joyce coming in off Kevin Walsh who himself was a club a county legend and it wasn't it was very very hard for Galway I think to make the transition to a defensive game like it was for a lot of teams but it, it didn't really work in Galway and then to try this year to 
go back to sort of the roots of maybe the 98-2001 and our old style of football and that day Porrick Joyce was amazing and um, I, I do recall said this a few times since reading the Irish Independence the following morning and they're like uh, whoever wrote the article like Galway are basically going to dominate Gaelic football for quite some time now and Galway didn't win a game in Crow Park for another like 17 years or something didn't well, count on the Ulster teams Armagh and Tyrone kind no, of came and, then and Kerry of course were, were there always and I, I think as well that um, you know you, I think Galway were inspired by Mayo's failures in 98 but Mayo were getting so close and I think you know Galway maybe then inspired other teams but it, it was very very Galway never really recovered maybe from losing Kevin Walsh to an extent and yeah. obviously when Porrick Joyce himself then got old and the likes of Jaff Allen that was a golden team but uh, that was amazing I was on the canal end that day and um, it just became it, it wasn't like 98 in the sense that it just became a procession but Porrick Joyce performed I was right behind the goal for his whatever point he must have gotten eight points in the second half or something like that <laughs> and um, we just felt like from from this you know sense of being such a downtrodden county now all of a sudden Galway were on top of the world and we had amazing footballers and he was probably the best of them yeah ten points and nine came in the second half apparently for Joyce Mead fell apart like I think he might have been even marking Darren Fay I trying to remember back now but like Mead were Mead had hammered Kerry in the semi and they were well fancied like yeah. um, and Galway were obviously coming Galway were the first backdoor team to win it but um, Porrick as well just yeah they beat Kerry 214 to 5 points yeah. in the semi and it was kind of I, I do remember 98 Galway were heavy underdogs because um, Kildare had all the hype that year and Galway had only beaten sort of Derry or whatever in the semi and, and the, but the, there was this massive faith in the county but like I think it was it was fitting for John O'Mahony that we came back and won it again and mm. Galway were a long time in the doldrums it, it's funny what you think of when Park Joyce hit the 10th point that day we were already going to the bar and celebrating and thinking of next year Galway wouldn't do anything for a long time after that and yeah. it'd be beautiful if Park Joyce could be the link between the next All-Ireland because um, I got an unbelievable kick out of the All Ireland final this year, even though they lost. Yeah, and we'll get to that one as you say. Like, but if you look at that Meath team that day, <clears throat> uh, Trevor Giles captain, you had Graham Garrity, you had uh, Nigel Crawford, uh, Darren Fay, as you mentioned. But the Galway team: Alan Keane in goals, fullback line: Kieran Fitzgerald, Gary Fahey, captain; Richard Fahey, uh, halfback line: Declan Meehan, Tomas Mannion, and Sean Dupuyer. Kevin Walsh and Michael Donnell in midfield all, almost all playing in 98 like Bar Richie Fahey maybe yeah. the half forward line is Paul Clancy Jaff Fallon and Joe Bergen and then the full forward line Derek Savage Port Joyce Tommy Joyce uh, Alan yeah. Kearns and Kieran Comer came on but what a team yeah what a team and um, you know it's funny the that team then would would probably have run aground in the sort of the defensive system that's followed and I think that like this is Galway people talk about like Galway have this kind of you know, natural style of football, but it's it's more or less true. It mightn't be like to say that oh, Kerry's like Kerry's basically a football county. Always a lot going on, but Galway's style of football is is um is true to the spirit of the game. And I think th- th- there was a strange um, disassociation between the way the footballers were going and traditional GA men who couldn't yeah. really watch this anymore. And that evaporated last year, like completely gone. And uh, you know, you see, I'll, t- I'll talk, I'll, I'll nicely kind of bookend this by going back to the final next year and another performance that was arguably better again than Porrick Joyce's. But it's beautiful to watch when it's played well. And that day, Porrick Joyce was probably next to unmarkable. Yeah, and I think a lot of players, <clears throat> even current players, we had Shane Cunningham, the Kilmacall Crooks captain on recently, and he was talking about his dad was from Galway and Porrick Joyce was his hero growing up. Mm. I'd love to know how many footballers around the country at the minute are, were inspired by, by Porrick Joyce because that wand of a left foot, uh, I'm sure he's inspired plenty of players. 
Um, so that's Port Joyce 2001 final your second pick Johnny March 16th 2002 uh, so over 20 years ago now but uh, Galway United 2 Derry City 3 the Derry legend Liam Coyle yeah I, I was trying to bring five different sports I think when we'd Vinnie Perth on which is the morning I was on for this I think he may have done five different sports there's Liam Coyle um, and this game was actually this game was in Terry Lampard which is probably my favourite like ground in, in the world really because it was just uh, my love of Galway United and just what that place means to you know a League of Ireland fan in Galway but I again like a lot of these uh, I got into Galway United in 97 so this was five years later and a lot of your memories there was there was one um, I was thinking of going for it was a goal by uh, Bobby Ryan in Belfield and probably in front of maybe 100 people where um, I think it was Barry Ryan who was in goal for UCD. He kind of um, made a made a made of a hatch of his clearance, and Bobby Ryan with like a half volley from maybe forty five yards just found the top corner. And those of us who were there, we still speak about this goal. And I was doing a piece in the match program. It's like so Woodstock. Yeah, you there you weren't. And it was like, I, and then I, I was doing a piece of Bobby Ryan, like kind of a nostalgic piece. And I was like, oh, by the way, like um, I have to bring up that goal in Belfield. He couldn't even remember it. No way. He, he, he scored this absolute worldy, like unbelievable goal that would like if a Brazilian scored it, yada yada. He couldn't even remember it. And I was like, Jesus, like <laughs> I mean, I, I was such a limited footballer, and I, 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 if I got a goal like that in training, anyway, so he couldn't remember it. So I was going to put that in, but instead I went for Liam Coy just because I thought. Um, he was a good example of the type of player that in the League of Ireland in those days you, you get these incredible talents that for some reason weren't playing at a higher level mm. Tony Sheridan was absolutely gifted um, he played for Coventry so he did briefly play at a high level but found his niche back home there are players like that Liam Coyle was one because of injuries like Liam Coyle would have been a top top player I think in England um, but because of injuries he couldn't but that day in Galway and I had to think back Goal United actually got relegated that season um, and Monaghan United finished last Goal United Dundalk and Monaghan United got relegated Derry City were, were not out of the relegation problems themselves but it was 2 all. Goal United went up the pitch to get what looked like the winner in a massive game Liam Coyle who could barely run at this stage was like probably about 34 basically did this mazy run took on 3 or 4 Goal United players couldn't run because of his knees and curled it into the top corner and some of the Goal United fans would start to clap it's like you were absolute genius and like I had the pleasure of of being in the old Brandywell watching Liam Coyle walk around the pitch and just run games and uh, what a talent. What type, of, what type of player was he? Um, you see, he was the type of player he was was because he couldn't move. So it was like, if you, it's like, we're talking about the, the lads playing Astro who like, they're just so far ahead of you that they don't move but they can they have a touch like he was a goal scorer but he was also like he was part of that Derry City revival when they came into the League of Ireland um, but he, he I, I forget the, the injury he had but it was a serious career ending type injury and he became a goal scorer like a number 10 didn't move that much because he couldn't amazing touch like amazing touch mm-hmm. amazing um like Van Nistelrooy, like the touch, not very mobile or like a finisher? Like Van Nistelrooy was like a Ferrari compared to him being a, a tractor. Like he really could not move very well at all. Like he really, like his mobility was bad. And I, I would have seen... Agricultural footballer. Yeah. I would have seen him later on in his life, but he was, he, um, his touch and vision and just like, you could just see, and I remember watching him in, in Lansdowne Road in a little pre-season friendly in the late 90s where he was playing Newcastle. Uh, and even at that level, you could see he's totally in his own here. And uh, any Derry City fan listening or League of Ireland fan of that genre will know exactly what I'm talking about. Like one of the greatest talents I've ever seen in the League of Ireland, and um, still heavily involved, I think, in in, in uh, the Maiden City as well. And uh, yeah, what a what a player! I was 
it was one of those moments where you're absolutely gutted as a fan, but at the same time you're kind of like you see some of those old goal of the month Matt Letizia's where he he got that goal against Blackburn and you just see a few people behind yeah. the goals. Clapping. It's like um, I was at the when Monon played Kerry in Super Eight and David Clifford scored the last minute goal. And I was gutted, but you're like, okay, yeah, fair enough. What man. do you do? You're, I'm Jesus. watching greatness here. You yeah, know? you nearly, even though it's against your team, you kind of have to mm. uh, appreciate it. He made a Northern Irish cap, Liam Coyle, as well, I think. Um, he scored an FAI Cup final winner um, in Talca around that time. and um, he So he would have played until he finished up until he only finished up the following season. So I was lucky enough to see him. He'd, he'd been two spells at Derry City at that stage three spells at Derry City four spells at Derry City if Wikipedia is right 100% would have gone which to which it always is right of course yeah would have would have played in the would have played in the old English first division no doubt whatsoever he was that talented yeah fair play Liam Coyle in the books as your second pick on you had to be there Johnny we're going to number three now In this is uh, a little bit different it's a little bit different but uh, nobody will be surprised to see that there's a, a racing pick in there 2012 at York the Judmont wasn't it Frankel yeah um there he is. Look at him. <laughs> He's a beautiful horse, in fairness. So Galileo would have had... Galileo, the beauty of horse racing, which is kind of... Uh, how do you differentiate between... Sorry, a beautiful horse. So if, if a different horse popped up there that wasn't so beautiful, like how, what's, uh, what, what I, makes I'd a beautiful be terrible, horse? I'd be a terrible judge. So, like, I, I mean, I'm working as hard the, the white part on the... He, he well, he'd physically, and in fairness, Galileo. So Galileo would have like the white kind of strike, the stripe, and that's um, he's put that in a lot of his stock. And the one thing about racing that's quite unique that I love about it compared to like you know field sports is that I remember his father, I remember his mother. You're exactly like your father, <laughs> and I remember like Galileo uh, and Galileo spawned Frankel. Galileo passed away recently, and Frankel is now the main stallion, pretty much. Um, but Frankel was a little bit like as Aidan O'Brien said was a little bit of his mind he was a little bit like hot mm. and he, the, his stock are still showing that but Pat Healy the photographer he, he basically nearly threw me out of the press room in Mallow the other day for suggesting that Frankel might be better than See the Stars because I saw See the Stars winning in Leopardstown I saw him winning the Ark and that would have been a close second but when Frankel won that day um, I'm going back now by seven lengths seven lengths so this is the I suppose the, the main reason I, I put this in was this was the only time I saw Frankel and he was stepping up to uh, an extended mile and two having been running all his races were over a mile or less and he was it was 10 furlongs for the first time yeah and he was sent off 1 to 10 like you know so I mean to have that sort of a bet about a horse that's like clearly amazing but like stepping up and trip and St Nicholas Abbey I remember I backed St Nicholas Abbey to finish second to him or to finish in the first two or something and St Nicholas Abbey was an amazing horse won the Breeders Cup um, had this kind of a sad death himself Frankel went by him as if like honestly as if he was just a statue and won by seven lengths um, and just looking at the ratings here it was his. It was. It was given as his joint best ever performance. The other one was when he won at Ascot when he beat Acceleration, um, and then he went on and won at Ascot. So he he ran fourteen times, won fourteen times, and I have to say he was probably the best horse I've ever seen. Like see the stars kept doing it and did it over different trips. Maybe he was better than him, but see the stars would never win really like that. So you're kind of it's a little bit apples and oranges, mm. but now. I go racing and Frankel, is produ- Frankel himself had the winner of the arc this year in Alpinista so that continuation is one of the beauties of racing and today in Thurlis I'll go in and I'll remember the dad of such a horse winning or something like that and Frankel is still to me the best ever and York was a great night out as well by the way Jesus right? great city yeah um, you know medieval kind of city yeah really really cool and a lot of Irish over there that day and uh, English racing is kind of struggling for to get attendances now but there was no struggle that day so Frankel 2012 Judmont um, 
the greatest horse Johnny Ward has ever seen number three in the books of you had to be there the next one Johnny uh, as a Galway man another special one for you 2017 All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-final everyone will, rem- will remember this for Joe Canning's moment uh, on the touchline Tipperary against Galway yeah, I, like again, there, there, there are so many uh, examples of Joe you could have picked out. Um, I seem to remember watching his championship debut against Cork when he single-handedly nearly won the game. I think that was his championship debut. I seem to recall watching that in in a bar in in Dublin. So I wasn't there, and there were Joe probably had Joe did have better performances than this. Um, but I'm from. Um, I'm from a, a football part of Galway, effectively. Ballygar Hurling Club is my local club, and it's making great uh, strides. But a lot of the um, exponents of hurling in the area would have been like blow-ins from like mm-hmm. the likes of, say, Kiltormer or Tipperary. I'm thinking <laughs> of the Harkins and the Lynches. But the Lynches, Damien Lynch was effectively my best friend when I was in national school. Damien Lynch's dad was Joe Canning's uh, uncle. Right. So Damien and Niall, of course, were, were very good at hurling because uh, PJ was from, I think, Kiltormer. So we had this always this talk about the Cannings, Cannings. Then I started watching Ollie play and like... Ollie was my favourite hurler. Like he was, he played. He ended up playing cornerback, but he was he was could have played anywhere. The most amazing stick work. So unlucky not to win a senior uh, county all Ireland. And um, but then this lad Joe comes along, and you're like, you know, in terms of sporting tragedies, if Joe doesn't win an all Ireland, like <laughs> this would be an absolute tragedy. And they went into that game against Waterford in 2017, where you know they gave away two sloppy goals, and you're like, is this going to happen all over again? That was one, that was probably the most emotional I've ever been after um, a sporting event because really, I was just like the heart of watching Galway coming so close and in 2012 when uh, it started out uh, I think when we hammered Leinster Kilkenny in the Leinster final and Adney Cunningham and brought this level of professionalism I think that culminated then in Michal Dunahoo um, taking them there and you, you remember Michal Dunahoo meeting his dad crossing oh. the bridge like the, that sort of stuff where you know there's just so much going on in a picture and not to mind the, the scene itself but Joe Canning like as I said I was useless at hurling like absolutely useless useless at golf useless with a stick in my hand but I loved hurling still love hurling and that day I was watching uh, I remember I was wearing like these these shades and my shades fell down uh, the into the, the next tier like when Joe got that point and that point like I had a terrible view of it I was basically in the Hogan and I had an awful view of it but when Joe got the ball that day and he looked up and you're like this is a total 100 to 1 Hail Mary but he's probably going to get it and you see him and the, just the noise in the place and the emotion you forget then that Bubbles went down the other end and had a probably Chance. more strikeable probably more strikeable but off his left I think that went wide and meanwhile, my shades were still down in the in the bottom tier, like they were down the tier below me. I wasn't asking, and then everyone was celebrating afterwards. And I started, I threw my program down at this lad trying to aim it at his head. By the way, <laughs> you see those uh, pair of parcel or whatever, you wouldn't mind like uh, throwing them up to me. And he did, but uh, oh my god, that that was like. There's some days you come off a pitch and even watching hurling, and you're just like you're not right after it. Mm. That was one of them. Johnny's Ray Bands in the Hogan stand. Uh, yeah, personal actually, and Pers- I, I lost sorry. him subsequently as well. Ah, no way. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, Joe. Um, five, five minutes into stoppage time. I, I mean, and you talk with a photo with uh, Neil Dunham and his father, but photo of Joe as well. Photo of Joe. I mean, and I think at one sports Smile, file, yeah, photo it's of like the year maybe. He's he's. Like <laughs> it was probably early enough into the shot because the player knows himself yeah. if it's going over or not fairly early. It's just pure 
the biggest widest smile you'll ever see on a player on a pitch and he knows he knows well before anyone that this is going straight over the black spot and Tip Tip played an unbelievable role that day in, in a game that literally was going either way and you're talking about fine margins Tip win that day maybe Galway would still be uh, having not won All-Ireland uh, Championship but like where Yates speaks about like how can you tell the dancer from the dance like when Joe has a hurl in his hand and when you when, when I watched Joe and he'd, he'd collect the ball just look and this flu, fluidity of motion and fluency of everything that he did just the most gifted natural hurler where he is in the pantheon of the greats with TJ and DJ and um, you know Henry who's now our manager obviously and, mm-hmm. and, and even Christy Ring if you want to go back that far I don't know there, there may not be um, a correct answer but I'll never watch a hurler and get the same feeling as I did as watching Joe Canning and we could have done with him in the second half against Limerick last yeah, year this what. year yeah, so we'll go with 22 points tip only 18 the All-Ireland semi-final of 2017 and Joe Canning's great point five minutes into stoppage time that's Johnny's fourth pick on you had to be there final one Johnny another one special for, for you tribesmen and women um, All-Ireland football final of this year I was at the game myself with my dad a going man Kerry Galway, yeah, but like, what, so what was your perspective when you're watching like the two sharpshooters of that? Uh, Walsh was Walsh was even I had Gavin White sitting in that seat you're in on Saturday, um, one of the Kerry defenders in the day, all star, and he just said he was unplayable. Mm. Uh, like the Kerry lads were looking around at each other, going. Like, he said at one point that when he kicked one of the scores in the second half from the from the sideline, he was just like. What what are you supposed to do? Because the defenders were doing everything right. Mm. They were pushing. You're supposed to push the players out to the sideline, try and put them on his bad foot, doing everything you can physically do as a as a as a defender to stop him. But he couldn't be stopped. It was just one of those performances from Shane Walsh. We were like, ah, look at, and and one of those performances where you're like, I know Clifford got man of the match, and maybe I, I disagreed strongly with well, that. Well, of course again. Walsh was man of the match, but I know and I know they have to. They probably feel entitled to give the man of the match to the winning team because they're going to be in the hotel and handing out the awards on television that evening. So I get that po- that point of it. But if ever you're going to have a year where you throw the rule book out, I mean, Shane Walsh was the man of the match in the All Ireland final this year. Yeah, and um, you know you'd forget in the in the Armagh game where like he was amazing for so much of the game, and then like Shane would sometimes be prone to the the odd thing maybe that like he should have done something a little bit simpler in the game and that, I mean that Armagh game was absolutely bonkers <laughs> and Shane gave a terrible terrible cross field ball that yes. to, like yeah. the last goal I think so again sliding doors moments that was penalties so that this could never have been written but like I don't know what you can say about this lad I think he was probably given far too much criticism over the move to Dublin um, you know there's, we spoke to Lee Keegan I know Shane Kilcarn and Bernard aren't at that level but there's an awful lot of commitment and then the travel and all that um, and I know I'm, I'm in touch with some of the Nace lads ahead of the game on Saturday and like at least they don't have Paul Mannion to deal with but they do have Shane Walsh to deal with so they didn't want the transfer to happen but like how can you teach somebody to be that good in left and right foot from all sorts of distances all sorts of ranges all sorts of angles in a game with so much pressure on it and he didn't deserve to lose the game obviously no. but you're, t- you're you know when you're taking on possibly the greatest footballer ever in David Clifford you're like well okay I can I can put my hands up here and say I you know as funny as a Galway fan I was at like the Limerick game in the Hurling this year um, I was at more or less all the championship games with the Limerick game the Hurling and the Kerry game and I was never as kind of less disappointed coming off a big game like that because the Limerick Hurling game had everything and their Limerick are exceptional and Galway pretty much left everything on the pitch and the Kerry game was kind of the same mm. and I was I was I've never actually watched the game back because I don't tend to watch games back when Galway lose yeah fair enough um, it's maybe a strange thing I, I probably didn't I don't think even watched the Sunday game maybe I did but I certainly didn't watch the game back so I'd have to watch back again to remember I'm going on the memory of Shane Walsh that day I'll never forget the awe when you're watching this like oh my god how can you do this like and 
he's only getting going really hopefully yeah and it's madness because Tom O'Sullivan Dingle man Kerry man had an unbelievable year for Kerry this year unbelievable and and yet he had the, the just the unluck of Mark and Shane Walsh in the final and didn't get an all-star mm. like Thomas Sullivan must be one of the best it must have had one of the best years for anyone who hasn't picked up an all-star and it's definitely down to the final mm. and and he's so unlucky because he had the nerve to to pick up Shane Walsh yeah. uh, in the first place but nobody could have marked Shane Walsh that day so you feel sorry for Thomas Sullivan what do Nace do now on, on Sunday it's ah. like well Nace are I think like Nace are maybe four point underdogs or something like that but their Nace are in with a chance like last year Mannion was playing um, Mannion got injured then and you're thinking this is amazing but what do, what do you do at club level ah, like, so do you do you change your style to, to, to stop him at, at county level it's I think the other thing is that, that Kerry Galway game as much as there were elements of the defensive game in it, it was never going to be anything other than a restoration of the beauty of football. Yeah. When you see Walsh and, like, pound for pound, two of the most talented sportsmen, like you'll see in this country, <laughs> possibly two of the most talented Gaelic footballers ever, yeah. in mean, what they're doing, because the game's always improving. Shane Walsh to have that ability off his wrong foot is just staggering to me, like... You know, and I'm sure he's had an impact on young players as well. But there's probably kids who have starting practice both 100%. feet kicking points. And it's such an important skill. But Shane Walsh has just highlighted how important it is at the top level. Clifford does it as well. But I mean, imperious Shane Walsh that day. Johnny, great stuff. That was your fifth and final pick. Um, so that is Johnny's. You had to be there in the books. Just so unexpected. It's one of those you had to be there moments. You had to be there. It subsequently, genuinely, did change everything about my life. I had to be there. 8.55am on this Thursday morning on O2BAM. Now we will continue with our GA... What's that? What's I just there? got a text in. Great aftertiming that you backed uh, St. Nicholas Abbey in the without Marcus, but I completely forgot that Farah chinned him for the place. Like So I, I'd lost money on the race <laughs> while Frankel went like 20 lengths clear in front of me. I was like, damn you, Frankel. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. St. Nicholas Abbey didn't, uh, so thanks to Johnny Breach. Big Shells fan. He's looking forward to the final, obviously. Uh, fair play, yeah, yeah, on Sunday, of course. Uh, continuing with our G this morning, we're live in studio next with the new Roscommon senior football boss, Davy Burke. First, though, on last night's show, Joe, Mick and Will reflected on what they felt has been a thoroughly underwhelming Champions League group stage. Back after this. It truly is, Will, the worst group stages we've had in <laughs> living memory. Not since the double group stage period as a group stage has been so anemic. Tonight's a particularly strange night compared to last night where we had all the drama towards the end of Marseille and Tottenham Hotspur where Marseille were playing particularly well, then Tottenham got an equaliser. You're thinking, can Marseille get a winner which would potentially send them into the last 16 of the Champions League? Are Spurs going to be in danger of dropping down into the Europa League for quite some time last night? And then Hoiberg gets the breakaway and Spurs get the goal, which actually gives them top spot, which could be really important. I mean, the second seed you'd really want to avoid if it happened tonight that Benfica get a winner, as things stand, would be PSG if they were to drop in as a second seed. But outside of that, it might be really important for Spurs' hopes in the last 16. The reports coming out last night as well, Joe, were that Marseille were unaware that they didn't necessarily have to go for the second goal last night, that they could have taken the Europa League spot. So that group was entirely on a knife edge even into 97 minutes of play and there was loads of late drama if you take in North London the week before where Tottenham Hotspur were denied a very late goal against uh, Sporting Lisbon that group was fantastic the end of the Atletico Madrid group a couple of weeks ago where Atletico could have scored after a late VAR call was tremendous fun but tonight it's kind of a little bit of jockeying position for teams in first and second place there's not a huge amount on the line tonight even by comparison to last night like you're, you're jockeying for position not knowing if the other teams are going to jockey for position so really but like the, the jockeying for position is exactly like the 
Conte was basically telling Spurs don't go for a winner last night. You know, they ended up getting it on the break in the 90-whatever minute. But there was no urgency from Tottenham to go and get a win and top that group. No. Because Liverpool are still... You know, if you look at the groups, it's pretty even in terms of... It, it actually means nothing. You know, there's an equal amount of good teams finishing first and second. Yeah, that's the lads on uh, OTB last night, uh, Joe... Mick and Will 8.57am on this Thursday morning's OTBM delighted to say joining myself and Johnny in studio is the new Ross Common Senior Football Manager Davey Burke Good morning Davey how are things? Hey lads how are you getting I on? thought it was David Burke that was on I was like this is great I'm talking ball with Hurling Jeez, we're This is even Ross better This is even there. better Don't let my mum hear you say that Johnny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's very particular yeah, yeah. It's funny David a lot of people know that you were the, the, the Whitlow Senior Football Boss prior to this um, uh, Something that I didn't realise was that Roscommon is actually going to be less of a commute for you than, than Wicklow, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I live in Kilcock, so I'm, I'm halfway there, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's an hour and an hour and 20 from my front door, really, to uh, to uh, the hide. So, it's, it's decent enough, yeah. You're the youngest, I think, intercounty manager. Um, does that add with it a weight of pressure or just a, a maybe it's maybe it's the opposite maybe you, you can feel more relaxed just like oh look I've got a few years here lads give me, give me a chance no and it's my second stint of being the youngest in the yeah. manager no, 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 I've been there done that if you're, if, you're, if you're good enough you're old enough I wouldn't be too worried about any of that type of stuff it's, I'd never have any problem commanding respect or I think lads just see the work ethic etc so I'd, I'd never get too bogged down in any of that yes your career just ended so early as well didn't it like you had cr- catastrophic injuries yeah yeah when I was about 14 I think it was 14 I uh, got a bad knee injury and and it was probably pre, you know, now you'd be sent for a scan straight away, whereas back then it was more x-rays. So I would have got an x-ray and I had a fractured knee, so I got casted, etc., etc., for a couple of months. But sure, the minute I came back, the, the ligaments were never fixed. You know that kind of way? So uh, ultimately ended up with a plastic kneecap now. So I ended up doing a bad job on it altogether. And from then on in, like in my household, my mother was the county chairman, my father was the board and oak chairman, managing the county teams. Like, there was no other option. You know that kind of way? And I can't play, so what am yeah, I going to do? <laughs> when you're being brought to central council meetings in obscure locations around the country, you get the graph fairly early so I just went into coaching early and uh, yeah that was it How do you think the Wicklow job has prepared you for for the Roscommon gig because I know it's look, Division 1 football you're heading into now at Roscommon um, a seriously tough Connacht Senior Championship with, with the likes of Mayo and Galway in there as well so totally different challenge but I'm sure the Wicklow job gave you a sense of what's ahead oh absolutely yeah just from dealing with county boards dealing with charters dealing with players you know dealing with that level of player they're so competitive they're so for want of a better word selfish in a good way in that they want to achieve and they what can you do to help me get to where I want to go and and that level of demanding and I, I love that I, I thrive in that environment because that's where I want to be and, and, and I, I, I learned a huge amount from Wicklow in that and even the different dynamics in the clubs uh, this club might get on great with that club there's all them different dynamics you deal with every county and so I got a huge ground in there from the media as well it's all important when you're in Division 1 it's a completely different ball game I could have been in Akram with a thousand people maybe you know I, I think you won't have less than seven or eight or ten thousand in the height I'd say for, for any of these games so it's a completely different kettle of fish but I feel uh, I've got a good grounding from them and learned a huge amount from, from Wicklow yeah I was chatting I was up home in Monaghan there at the weekend I was chatting to, to Gregory McGonigal <laughs> uh, former Dublin ladies boss I know you, you cut your yeah. teeth as well alongside him as assistant uh, like experience and he was very complimentary I have to say <laughs> about you good and, man Greg and, I'll and, send that to yeah, you 100% <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but like what um, you know 
cutting your teeth with other managers and, and kind of learning as you, as, you, as you went along over the years are you someone who kind of takes little bits from different coaches coaches are you taking little bits from other sports even or, or how's your how's your I guess coaching game been cultivated yeah yeah well initially probably would have started out with my dad it would have been uh, would have been probably cut out of him really in that uh, his style and his management style and his, probably his coaching style and then would have moved on and probably one of the first top coaches I would have met was Greg really in 2014 um, we both how that came about was we both went for the Dublin ladies job at the time and uh, they pieced us together so uh, he was much more experienced coach than me at the time, you know. So I learned a huge amount off Greg, and Greg was brilliant with with the girls on the field. But he was also brilliant with county boards. He would have taught me a huge amount more. I would have been maybe a bit too direct at times and different things, right? And uh, Greg would have taught me a lot about that. So I learned a huge amount about off him. But not only that, I'd, I'd, at the minute I'd watch a lot of NFL, I watch a lot of soccer. I'd be, I don't follow anyone, but I'd be very interested in say the last couple of years with Liverpool there, their high press game, and now you're seeing the likes of where Trent is exposed because of the, such a high press, and where's the space? Well, the space is in behind. It's very similar if you're pressing a kick out, where you expose, where you open. So I'm trying to take a lot out of everything, to be honest with you. And I understand it's all evasion, it's all field based sports, you know. And uh, so um, just trying to learn from everything, really. And, and you can pick stuff up from everything. And there's, if there's another 20 or under 16 uh, game on the local pitch, or uh, sorry, even a, a, a training session, I'll watch it for 10, 20 minutes of them there and I'll get something out of it. You know, that yeah. kind of way, whether I say, right, I mightn't do that, but geez, I could work with that. You know, that kind of way, there's always something. How, how open is Gaelic Games to, to more like nuances? and more change like in terms of and the innovator like you're, you're, you're trying to be um, well, uh, I, I think it's getting there Johnny I, I don't think uh, there probably was a bit of a closed shop for a while I think uh, I'm not sure you come in with fresh new ideas some lads would have been oh hang on here now that's not how we used to do it but I do think it's getting there there's a lot more new age coaches and really dynamic people coming into it and you know what I found for years and years there was no sharing in the GA like none of us shared oh, I can't tell you my secrets because I created them anyone who tells you they created anything is, is not <laughs> telling you the truth in my opinion you know we've all got something from somewhere and maybe put our own tweak to it or maybe added to it you know but uh, for me now I'd be in like I'd have different groups of coaches that we'd be in regular contact with each other right we're playing X weekend we're thinking of setting up like this what do you think break really? it down oh yeah yeah yeah. jeez you have to yeah. yeah. because your brains and your, your management team brains are brilliant but ultimately you need to go into a, with a fresh pair of eyes and say ah oh, hang on I'd get you there or I'd do this and then you tighten up and, 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 and that's how you become better will that happen at division one level yeah, well, you know, you mightn't be talking to to, to your to, to your opposition lads, but there's there's plenty of high level coaches out there. Uh, say in the club game or in Division 2 level that you, you'd be sharing like you'd be sharing mm. but you know ultimately you need to because they'll be picking your brains the following week on, on reciprocal eight. like yeah, yeah you have to do it and and that was not there previous mm. you know that's coming into it more and more would you have been watching now since so since you, you were confirmed as the Roscommon boss like is it a case of watching back matches from Roscommon in the last couple of years tapes videos trying to you know, catch up on club championship matches and see if there's you know some young players we could bring into the squad or or even more experienced players. Like, what's the the process been like since you got the job? It's been a whirlwind. Oh God, <laughs> it's about seven or eight days since it was confirmed. I think it was last Wednesday it was confirmed, and uh, she's been hectic. Now. I think seven days in the bounce. I'm in Roscommon now, so I have a very very patient wife, lads. <laughs> um, I don't know how much more patience she has though. But uh, so just trying to confirm backrooms, trying to confirm like meet 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 the senior players. You know, trying to meet county boards. Trying to sort. There's just so much to sort out. You know, uh, but I'm ne- very very close to being there. Uh, I've watched a good few videos. The Roscommon Championship Games, Club Championship Games are on YouTube, so I've, I've, I've access to them. I've watched a good few of them. 
more late night viewing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, um, uh, yeah, I, I would have had a good grip on Roscommon the last couple of years. I would have watched a good few of their games live, and I also would have seen on telly, or, or and also they're all available to me as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd have a fair handle on on the squad uh, and what I think might be required to maybe get a couple of inches improvement. Hopefully, adds improvement. And then a big one of the main attractions to me is there's a real the age profile is late twenties, we'll say of the okay. of the core squad, right? So there's good three, four, or five years left in them boys, but there's some extremely talented 20 to 23 year olds coming through that they've had some really good 20 teams really good minor teams and probably didn't get their chance the last couple of years now maybe that's down to conditioning maybe they weren't ready for their chance maybe they weren't training well I don't know but we're, we're, we're going to get them in and like come the first round of the league we'll hope to be a newish look to this team you know because uh, ultimately I'm trying to create competition you know that kind of mm. way and I want fresh blood in and these boys are talented well, people would say why are you taking on this job because like what, what's the upside of this in terms of your Division 1 team like on the cusp of you know potentially getting relegated uh, you can't win in All-Ireland so why would you take a job like this but do you think there is upside Oh jeez, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be in, in the job if I didn't, Johnny. I think it's. I think it's one of the most exciting jobs in the country, where no one expects you to stay in Division One. You know, no one gives you a chance. Jeez, I only love that type of crack. You mm. know, that kind of way. That uh, that, uh, that 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 really gets me going. And so, uh, like, this huge. They were in another twenty All Ireland final two years ago. You know, they were one another Connacht twenties last year, the year previous. Like, this huge talent coming, and it's untapped talent. You know, and that's coming. And for me, looking at the senior team, I definitely think there's a maybe a little balance issue or just. Little small improvements there, handy wins that can be made. I think structurally, we'll say, uh, and and the talent is there. Like, and what's the, what's the big team about us? Common as well. They forwards, Johnny. You know, like yeah, you know, yeah. the, you, you know, you were a club team. You were kind of you're crying out for forwards generally. You know that kind of way. Whereas these guys have them in abundance, and and I want to work with talented forwards now. You know, so I uh, oh no, for me, it's massively positive. I wouldn't believe any of that other crack, to be honest. It's funny, it's funny like you, you, you can feed off criticism and, and people play, putting you down like that and it's, it, look, it's, it's natural enough I guarantee even my own County Monaghan like and Vinnie Corey's in fresh to that job as well I guarantee Monaghan and Roscommon for the bookies I haven't looked but yeah, will be yeah. the two favourites to go down Monaghan will pull it off though they always well, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but like it's, it isn't that sort of thing where you've it's not quite the newspaper on the wall for the players but the more people put you down and expect you to be relegated and not do anything in the championship it kind of motivates yourself and the players probably yeah absolutely it does I, I, I'm only new into the job and already I'd be frustrated by the, the narrative or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, absolutely motivates you. But having said all that, in Division 1, motivation will get you so far, lads. It's, Division 1 is the t- it's, it's ruthless. It's mm. absolutely ruthless. And we've Tyrone up first, according to the provisional fixtures. And, and uh, you know, Tyrone probably didn't have the best year last year. So you can imagine now they're going to mm. they're gonna come in ready to go. You'd imagine now, you know. So, uh, you know, you can have all the motivation and all the newspaper clippings in the world. They, mean, they don't mean a huge amount when the ball's thrown in. Like, you know, they, you either prepare or you're not you're in conditioned or you're not and uh, you're tactically astute or you're not you know that kind of way and uh, so so that's the 5% maybe but the other 95 is the every day of the week and it's a level of consistency lads the teams like the Roscommons the Monaghan's you know the, the top of division 2 they have to find a level of consistency that's that's my issue it was my my opinion is the issue is you know it might be brilliant this week and not so good next week but you can't survive in, them, in the top level without a level of consistency you know you would have a con- you would have comparisons between the two of you as well like football mad counties like not mm-hmm. massive population and yeah. you know you would probably already attest to that Roscommon is football mad like oh yeah they're mental about it like and Wicklow isn't in fairness no, like. no it's not no and, 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 and no it's not it's completely different uh, you know I could have been walking around uh, no the players in Wicklow are unbelievable county board but mm. I could have been walking around Ockram or Wicklow town for two years and no one had ever 
bad an eyelid. Jeannie <laughs> and Roscommon already. I was sitting in a petrol station last night in Roscommon, and oh, mother of God, the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes. They are. That mad. was the one lad. They're mental about it, yeah. yeah uh, but I, I love that, Johnny. That's that's that's. Don't go to Rockford now until you win something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll hold off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark McHugh, uh, big name in the the backroom team as well, and and like a lot of good good vibes coming out of him and Donegal in terms of his coaching pedigree as well. Do you have the the backroom team finalised or or yeah. how's that? taking shape I'm uh, very close to it so the, the, the management at the minute is um, Mark McHugh has confirmed uh, obviously everyone will know Mark from his Donegal days a uh, very exciting young coach as well I think we're fairly like minded um, Eddie Lohan extra's common player um, Kilbride man two brothers as well so they're well 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 known in the in the community uh, and then uh, Jerry McGowan from Sligo is also on board as coach uh, he's been with Clare for a number of years now Turla Strand man very very uh, exciting very very exciting addition to the to the. so that's the four man ticket at the minute we'll say the backroom team is in place there's a head of performance on site Gary Gary Flannery who works for us common GA and uh, then there's a big backroom team like 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 what comes with all these uh, <laughs> It comes with all these jobs at the minute so we're happy enough with that at the minute there may be one more audition I'm not certain yet but I'm very very happy that that's a fairly strong coaching ticket selection ticket for now what, what was Mark's like minded um, well what I mean is he's young he's enthusiastic he's energetic and he want, he's on a he's on a journey like you know like he's in he's he's, he's uh, trying to progress as well like. yeah I'm not speaking for him but yeah he, he, he he's trying to move forward essentially you know and very very ambitious and uh, he's came through the, I came through the ladies ranks as well as we just discussed so I wouldn't some people might fear that oh, it's not good enough the different level of football I think ladies football is a hugely um, uh, like it's a hugely good high level of football at the minute you know that kind of so if you're coaching at that level with, with Donegal or with Dublin or with Cork or with Mead, you're you're a decent coach. Like you know, even you, there's a contrast of Paul Carrigan there. Like he's Paul Carrigan, he's gone into uh, the Mead seniors now. So uh, you know, there's a huge overlap at the minute. I think between the two. So he's just very like-minded. And I would have seen him um, in the trial the other day, and just were very very similar, um, very very similar. And look, he's still at the peak of his powers. He's 32, 32 years of age, playing for Kilcar. So uh, I think the common boys better get used to him being stuck in the middle of them during drills and stuck in the middle of them during runs. And I think that's going to add a huge layer when rather than the likes of me with just a whistle when someone will actually get out there and do it with mm, you I think mm, it makes yeah, a huge yeah. huge difference you know I, I look at um, managers sometimes like like Davy Fitz comes to mind uh, Rory Gallagher comes to mind who are all action on the sidelines and Rory spitting in the hands and <laughs> living every moment and you're, you're exhausted nearly looking at them like, watching Wicklow match as well you'd be similar enough in that you're <laughs> you're an all action manager on the sidelines like do yeah. you go home from a match say on a Sunday afternoon and you must be just wrecked. Ah, uh, yeah. I do, without the spit, and I do a lot of the rest of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Look, you, you play, you kick every ball. You, you're emotionally and physically wrecked on a Sunday evening, like completely and utterly wrecked. Uh, yeah, look, um, that's the style. The three lads you named, Davey, myself, Rory, we, we're, we're coaches probably at heart, and we like to coach our teams through the games. And look, there's pros and cons to all that, but you'd be absolutely, yeah, you'd be fit for nothing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, what's, what's, the, what's the ambition, finally, uh, for you, Davey, this year? I know when Port Joyce took the Galway job, he said, look, I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't think we could win All-Ireland and came so close last year and getting to the final. So, like, what's the what's the overall ambition? Is it a three-year term? Yeah, three-year so, three term. So what's the, what's the 
I guess short, medium, long term goals? Well, the short will definitely be Division 1. We're targeting, as I said, consistent level of football. We want to be training at a level and playing at a level to be a consistent top eight team, you know, minimum. That, that's, that's the short, that's 100% the short term goal. And medium goals, obviously, Connacht Championships, you know, you know it's, it's, it's non negotiable in Roscommon. They're looking for silverware, they're looking mm. for Connacht Championship. And then ultimately, for me, I think it's since 1991, is it, or since they were in an All Ireland semi final. So you need, you need to be pushing on, progress all the time. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say we're going to win Sam Maguire in the short short term but you got to be moving forward here you know so move forward retain division one you know Connacht championships and also semi-final appearances and then you can build from there in my experience you don't go from quarter-finalist to finalist mm. you, you, that doesn't generally happen like so you have to go step by step by step and uh, so ultimately in the three years five years that's that's the plan you know Listen, Davey, we wish you the, the very best of luck. Um, exciting jo- to get this job, Division 1 role. Yeah. Take it handy on Malton in the league, will you? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Throw the other games, you can go ahead <laughs> for leather. Uh, but listen, thanks a million for coming up to us today. Cheers, Much thanks, Cheers. That's Davey Burke, the, uh, the new Ross Common Senior Football Manager at 9.13am on this Thursday morning on OTBAM. Brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. Here's what we've got on OTB Sports Radio coming up for you today. One o'clock, it's OTB Gold. Jerry Eisenberg on Ali. 3pm, leaders' questions from four. It's a retro panel on violence in the GEA. Six o'clock, an OTB Gold interview with Declan Murphy. Uh, 7 p.m., OTB, of course, live with Richie McCormick hosting uh, John Giles, as usual, on a Thursday evening. Waterford's Desi Hutchinson will be on as well, none other than Kelly Harrington herself talking about her brand new book. You can follow OTB across all our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network for all the very best in the latest sports content. After the break, we're live with the former Irish rugby international, Jack McGrath, ahead of the huge South African match in Dublin on Saturday. First, though, Keith Wood and Fiona Hayes joined Joe on Wednesday Night Rugby last night discussing the importance of the scrum ahead of the weekend. Back in a moment. Do they have different um, techniques that you might face otherwise or is it pretty universal? Um, It's fairly universal. I I think if you're looking at um, the fundamental standard for South Africa is that they are bigger men, so they're taller, Marx is tall. No, Dan Sheen is tall. We're beginning to manoeuvre our way into that idea. Um, but they tend to have a taller front row. They tend to be much bigger men. And you're talking 19, 20, 21 stone. Um, they want to scrummage at a height. Now, the laws would lend itself that you have to scrummage not lower than your hips and you can't be too low. So that's fine, but you don't have to scrummage at the height of South Africa's hips. You can scrummage at the height of your own hips. So you try and get yourself into a position where you're able to deal with it. But they want to keep it at the highest level possible because that's where they're at their strongest. So whatever manoeuvring Ireland can do to unsettle them, because you don't want to play into their hands. You want to make them uncomfortable. You want to, even though there's no hit in the scrum, you want to try and get that balance right where you get more comfortable in the scrum. You try and offset it an awful lot. They tend to put all eight pushing incredibly hard into it. They will try and hold the ball at the back of the scrum. So the scrums tend to last longer on their, on their put-in because they know how hard it is to hold that scrum. So they want... They want those scrums to last as long as they possibly can and to see if they can eke a penalty out at the end of it. So the benefit of having a a front row on the bench like they have is that they don't really lose any oomph when when those guys uh, come on. And it means it's very hard. And we do change our our subs a little bit later, and rightly so. Um, Our subs 
are not of the same standard um, uh, that South Africa have. There's very few teams in the world. Probably the only teams are France, South Africa, and maybe Argentina that have that strength and depth for scrummaging that comes in off the bench. So, um, but I think we'd stand up to it pretty well. But it's but it's higher. It tends to be higher. We'd be trying to bring it lower so that you can use their weight against them. That's. That's the most important element the second you play against South Africa is how do you use their strength against them? OTB AM. 17 minutes past nine on OTB AM on this Thursday morning with myself and Johnny. Really interesting chat there with Davy Burke before the ads, the new Ross Common Senior Football Boss. So get that podcast back in all the usual places, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the, the YouTube video up on youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Uh, just some breaking news for you as well from the world of uh, football. UEFA is setting up a, a Nations League for women's international teams and the qualifying for major international women's tournaments has been completely revamped. So we'll uh, touch base more on that story from tomorrow. Kathleen McNamee will be alongside me in the hot seat for tomorrow Friday's OTBAM now at 17 minutes past 9 we're joined by the former Irish international Jack McGrath on the line Jack a beekeeper with Open Hive is celebrating the partnership between Camille Tai and Open Hive established to protect over 100,000 native Irish honeybees the Irish restaurant group will be using the raw honey produced by these special bees and harvested by Jack and the team at Open Hive to develop a series of new dishes including the honey crispy chicken bao which is available now from all Camille restaurants across Ireland Northern Ireland and the UK. Jack, good morning. Hello. What a start, well, Jack. That's talk to me about sure. the beekeeping. This is this is something else. I mean, it was this uh this start over COVID or how did you get involved in the beekeeping? Yeah, I suppose it had some it was something I'd always been interested in um through the years, but like I I never saw an opportunity to actually get involved because it was just so time consuming. And then as you said, when COVID came along, um it sort of just um the opportunity came up to come out to somebody local, a local uh, beekeeper out here um, in Greystones. And basically that's when I met Kyle, um, who is the other partner in Open Hive. And he uh, basically showed me the ropes. And um, yeah, it's from there, it's kind of went. And then I, the other fella who's involved is, is Mark Early. Um, so between the three of us, we've kind of... Um, push it on from there I'm sure you have the suit and the visor and all that crack like I've read that it's um, it's bee proof so it keeps out the bees but doesn't necessarily stop the stings that must be uh, something that takes time to get used to yeah yeah it does I suppose it's it's like anything it's it's like hits and rugby it's, you just get used <laughs> to it but it is it, do, it just stops them getting in but it, you can get stung so we just kind of wear double layer um underneath underneath the gear and yeah you're you're usually grand you know it's it's the time of year we're we're checking them a lot of the time they're fairly docile because of the heat uh but sometimes they get a bit ratty and, and you do you do pick up a few stings jack may or may not be a with nail knife fan is like uncle monty's an unbelievable character so he's he's on about flowers and he says flowers are essentially tarts prostitutes for the bees right so it's one of these amazing lines <laughs> but jack if there are no bees there are no humans well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and you know the part, the thing I like about it is you're learning the whole time. Every time you go up there, there's there's so much more to them them just producing honey. So that is um, a huge aspect of of what we try and do in Open Hive is is the education around that as well. Because a lot of people are scared of bees, and they don't know the difference between a bumblebee and a, a bee that actually produces honey. 
So, um, yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, it's a nice outlet for me uh, with everything that's gone on mentally uh, on the pitch and off the pitch. So it's 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 just a nice kind of escape for me as much as anything as, as an enjoyment. For your own game now, Jack. I mean, I know you're you're a free agent after for leave, leaving Ulster. Um, you've been you've been pushing on Instagram as well. Everyone can kind of see the, the the work you've been putting in as as a free agent as well. Not easily done. You've had double hip resurfacing operation. So, like, talk us through that because that process must be must be arduous. And then to to try and recover from that. I mean, I, I think I've seen you talking before about wanting to become the first person in elite sports to to come back and play elite sports after double hip resurfacing operation. That must be must be tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I suppose it, the thing is now it, it's I'm I'm over the the initial two surgeries, so I'm 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 um, on the way back to to getting playing. It's just it, the initial probably getting getting the first one done and getting back from that was was quite tough because uh, or it was quite tough. But I knew I could do it because I'm actually quite friendly with Sean O'Brien. And he had had it done, and um, he, I, I was, I was liaising with him quite a lot through it. And um, when I saw him getting back, I, I knew that I could get back. It so, it was fine getting back. But then, I suppose over time, we realised that my left side was when I got back playing, my my right side was absolutely perfect. But it was my left side because I had been um, compensating for so long, mm. pro- had been worn away as well. And I got a few games in with Ulster and I was kind of getting my rhythm back and then like a mall collapsed in a game and I, it was from then I was I was pretty goosed and it, it kind, of, kind of came to the realisation that we had to get the second one done, which was a bit of a kick in the teeth and, and um, everything that went on kind of with contractually as well. Um, but... You know, it's funny. Things happen for a reason, and um, being able to be home uh, for like we just had a little girl there two weeks ago. So if I was in Belfast, I wouldn't have actually been able to uh, be around for a lot of the pregnancy and the birth. So it, it's funny how, how stuff like that happens. But um, yeah, like it's obviously it's difficult. But the carrot for me is to be the first person. Like there are people who have one hip done, but. The carrot is definitely uh, to have to be the first person to get two done, and be that at AIL level play or professional. Um, I'm taking it bit by bit. Like I'm, go- I'm just, I'm not putting pressure on myself um, to get back as quick as I can. I just need to get everything 100 percent right first. I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you about um, you know that that moment where you're, you're trying to recover from injuries. I was even watching a couple of lads on BT Sport last night talking about the, the you know injuries and in elite sport and how much it can it can hurt you and and I guess that the the ability to bounce back depends on player to player. But as you say there, like you're you're a, you're a first time dad, a new dad uh, in recent weeks to baby Melrose. That must put things. In perspective, because good all, name actually. Well, all of a sudden, yeah, great name. This but, is a Melrose's place, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but all of a sudden, you have new priorities, Jack. It is, yeah, it is. But on one side, it, there's priorities like that, and on the other side, you kind of have to. When they grow up, they'll be like, "Well, my dad did this," <laughs> you know, like, and it's. I suppose I've nothing to prove to anyone 
kind of on the pitch. It's, it's probably the fighter in me that wants to try and even just get back and and prove that that I can, you know, um, because like the hardest thing is your mind, really. Like it's your mind is the only thing that can really stop you. And like I, I I'm because it's such a hard thing to do. It's um, that's almost the the goal for me is mm. to try and get through it and and be like you you actually can do this and it just proves to other people that you can. Um, sure, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Do you know, like it's it is it's a it's a quite peculiar situation to have both done because people do have one done, but like there will be people in the future that will have two done and, and if I can be the first to prove that I can can get back, um it's just I think it's it's a huge thing for me personally. Um yeah. I guess, I guess like you're on here this morning for fifteen minutes or whatever, but this is a fight like within yourself that goes on behind closed doors, I suppose. It is, yeah, and and you know, like what, what you're saying about the the Instagram stuff. It's like you kind of have to self promote a little bit as well. You have to put yourself out there. You have to show the work you're doing. Um, not everything's always rosy in the garden. Like, obviously, Instagram is like you see the the positive sides of getting back running, mm. getting back lifting heavy. But like, there's there's shit in between the day that like really you're like what why am I doing this mm. and then you just have to kind of sometimes pull back and just try and control the controllables in mm. your own mind and in your own situation and and for me sometimes I put myself under pressure time pressure to be like to be back for a certain date because that's the that's the kind of environment I've been in for 12 years like with Leinster and with Ulster and in Ireland, like you're get, you get injured, you get, you're given a time frame, you get back for them. Whereas I'm in the situation now, I'm my own boss, so like I'm I'm managing my own um, rehab and 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 everything like that. But it's it's that's not an excuse not to do the stuff. It's just I need to focus on the dates that I'm. Um, getting back and 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 just take it bit by bit, basically. Do you, do you worry longer term, Jack, about just you know the the the, the professional game and what you've um, the, the the I guess the hits your body is taken how it will be long term. I'm rarely on with rugby players. It's always a concern for me when I watch to get to watch the sport. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose it is. Yeah, um, and and like I'll know when I do get back training fully and, and, and playing games and my hope is to get back and try and play some AIL games with St. Mary's mm. um, because obviously Sean Cronin, that's my club and Sean Cronin's the, the head coach and I know Sean pretty well from through the years so um, I've sort of made a commitment to try and get back there and I'll, I'll know myself um, after probably a year if if I'm ready to go so like the plan would be to try and get back see if see if I'm good see if I'm still enjoying it and and go from there well those uh, when you're talking about big hits Jack uh, Andy Farrell's Irish team have a few big hits heading away on Saturday at the Viva Stadium a few slightly more than beast things I'd imagine <laughs> them Springboks coming at you but uh, how do you feel about this? This the Irish team heading into the November internationals, and specifically for for Saturday, because a lot of talk about the South African front three and and the bomb squad and, and the six two split on the bench they have, and these just huge specimens of men uh, that, that the Irish team are coming up against on Saturday. It's uh, no easy task. 
No, it's not. And and I think against South Africa, it's always an acid test of how your pack is actually going. Um, I think the the strides that has happened in, in the Irish pack and in the team in, in the last since Andy has taken over is, is incredible. You saw it over the summer and, and before that. Um I think the way um Ireland are playing are they're gonna put they're gonna put South Africa under pressure, but I think the nuts and bolts around the scrum and the mall and the breakdown is gonna be huge uh, because you saw South Africa picked their team early. They're putting out, uh, they're 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 nailing their colours to the flag to, to the flag, and and they're they've put a six uh, two split. So they know it's going to be a, a forward battle, and and it's going to be wet. So um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Serious speed of that rush defence from the South Africans as well. Um, uh, do you think it's going to tell us? more about ourselves nearly than, than the South Africans and there's the element of course because we're in the same World Cup pool next year uh, and we've spoken about it with Alan Quinlan earlier in the week but shadow boxing uh, like is there an element of that do you think Jack heading into a game like this when you know you're in the same pool or is it just they're separate things and, and maybe treat it as, as just one big game to get get prepared I guess for the World Cup this far out yeah I think it's just I think it's a step and stone like I, I don't think Ireland have named their team as well so it could be like they're not going to be experimental, but it could be an opportunity to drop one or two guys in, because as we know, it's a, it's a, it's a. The World Cup is a squad effort, so if they are in the in in the group, um, it's 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 a huge opportunity for him to maybe drop one or two players in. But um, I wouldn't be reading massively into it because a lot changes in in um, those kind of six or eight months. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be uh, a massive physical physical test, and um, I'm actually getting to go to it. So it's, it'll be the first time I've gone to an Irish game since I've um, been actually playing there. Right. So it'll be Happy nice days. to be seeing it live. Yeah, it'll be nice to be seeing it live. Flogging honey all over the shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, the team, as you said, not named, but um, I guess if you're to look at the the Irish um, fifteen to play the New Zealand fifteen <clears throat> on uh, tomorrow night. You can kind of make some guesses like Hugo Keane and Mac Hansen and Balakoon potentially as a back three if you're to read yeah. into that team and the players that haven't been named. Uh, Robert Balakoon is someone who you've played with at Ulster. I mean, seriously, seriously talented player in this game and at the weekend is going to be a, a real litmus, litmus test for him. Yeah, like the cat is what we call him up there. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's an absolute freak of an athlete. One of the most humble fellas you'll ever meet, and he just—he's just willing to learn, um, and like he just goes about his business, gets got Ulster out of a lot of trouble, in attack and defence. Um, he's a smart rugby player, doesn't take himself too seriously, but he is. Yeah, he's got the X factor, and, and he's a guy who is definitely pushing his way to be starting consistently for Ireland. How do you see it going? Uh, the November tests generally, and then a, a long-term one for you as well, Jack. Like that, the hope that we yeah. can maybe progress at some some distance in the World Cup. Like, how do you how do you see the next twelve months going for Irish rugby? I think the experience that's there. Um, I don't think we will fall into the trap of peaking too early. I think there's too many guys there that have been to too many World Cups and know. I think Andy Farrell is. A, top quality coach the guys in the backroom staff with him have all gone to World Cups I I think they'll get the prep 100% right and I think um, on your first question I think 
it'll be a clean sweep for the uh, November Internationals uh, three wins. Can I just ask you one final one, one Jack? It just struck me when you, when you were talking there earlier about the, you know, Instagram and, and having to put yourself out there and, and also being fully aware that Instagram is a, a semi-fake world in, in many ways. And, you know, I, I guess people can take, take it with a pinch of salt, what, mm. what, what we all put forward on social media. I know you've done a lot of great work with, with Pieta House and you've, you've spoken about your own family story as well, um, eloquently at times. Um, that that's an important thing. It must be for, for for dressing rooms at the minute, you know, especially with young players to to be aware of of things like social media and and you know social media abuse and and even abuse from the terraces and not just in rugby. Generally speaking, for young people to look after themselves and, and the mental side of things. I think so. Yeah, and I think it's 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 way more open forum now for for people to talk to each other and and there's um, things in place now around clubs. Um, there are people involved in 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 the clubs that you can go and speak to um, at any stage about it, uh, about anything that's going on. And like for me as a player, as a senior player, I would have always tried to speak to younger guys and and just like there was never a hierarchy. So even if they did want to say something to me that they might have felt was stupid, they could say it, and I wouldn't say it to anyone. So um, no, I definitely think the way the world is now definitely rugby is changing as a landscape um for the you're not you don't have to be just this macho fella that doesn't have any feelings like you're not a robot so i think when when guys are actually open about how they feel and and their emotions and stuff like that you actually get the best out of them as a player because they can express themselves absolutely here here listen jack you've been great with your time uh, really appreciate you chatting to us enjoy the beekeeping and uh, most of all enjoy the match on saturday as well Cheers, lads. Great stuff, Chat McGrath there. Of course, the former Leinster, Ulster, Ireland, Lions, loosehead prop. And uh, as he said, he's a free agent, but working really, really hard to recover from those hip operations and to get back to playing uh, the game he loves. So, uh, Jack McGrath there, and you can get that full interview if you missed any of it, as always, in the OTB Sports app and on the YouTube as well. OTB AM, 9.35am on this Thursday morning, brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. OTB AM is back tomorrow morning. I'll be joined by Kathleen McNamee in studio as we focus on Ireland's showdown with the Springboks. Daniel Davey will be in studio to chat about his new nutrition book, plus more besides, including more on the breaking news from this morning about that new UEFA Women's National Team competition. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.